Well, you see, it's that time of the year again where we wish a certain host on a certain day that he's getting older. So we wish him our best wishes. Happy birthday, Alan, uh, from all of us here at the Total Wrestling Show. And uh, hope you have a great day. And uh, eat a bit of cake. Go watch a bit of hockey. And uh, have a fantastic time. So from all of us, myself, from Dan, from Steve, from Sybil, from Jay Knox, and everybody who's been a part of TWS on the entire TWS nation. Happy birthday, player. Have a great time, and I'll speak to you very, very soon. But I'm the million dollar man. It's time to watch your favorite TV program. Hit record on your VHS player. Tune in your NES and join Alan Price and Chris Vint with their views as we deploy Operation Retroshock. Welcome to episode 33, no, it's not episode 33, it's episode 2 of the Alan Price Birthday Bonanza, yeah, yay, no, not yay, you do not allowed to blow it yourself, oh, yes, that's right folks, obviously last year we had Larry Kenny on the show, big deal, big interview for Big Al, whereas this time we had another big interview for Big Al, who likes Bonanzing. Who, obviously, as we said, we would rock you. Obviously, as you heard last episode, that uh, we were going to have on the show Stan Bush and Eric, Eric Stewart. Yeah, that's why I said it wasn't episode 33, because suddenly it was 34. But it's episode 2 of Al's birthday. So that's how you should be known. Episode 2 of Al's birthday. AKA episode 34. No, no AKA. No. AKA 47. No, you're obsessed with Pokemon and AK-47s. They do not go together at all. Anyway. Yes, so obviously, um, at the time of recording this, um, it isn't actually Alan's birthday. But last year, obviously, Alan, what did you get joke present from me? I got Pokemon badges. Yeah, obviously, I forgot that we were going to record this, so I have something for Alan. And it is wrapped, but not with sellotape. <laughs> it's like, just put that on that. See? Happy birthday, Alan! Yay, thank you very much. It so says happy birthday on the wrap of the wrap of paper. Yeah, I couldn't read that. <laughs> it's just so he knows that it's his birthday. I won't rack up because you can use it again. <laughs> yeah. <Thanks>. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon Chronicles DVD. It's the best thing I could get that had the word Chronicles on it, you know, like Master Universe Chronicles. Yeah, I something like that. <laughs> Quite literally, uh, Master Universe classic figures. On sale. Legend of Thunder. You can choose Winter Vacation, uh, 
Delibes Dilemma and Snow Relaxes Snowman and a family that battles together stays together which has a good man that is on the show today involved in it indeed and Brock when he returns to his hometown of Pewter City to find that his mother has turned the once proud Pewter City into gym into the dark side of the fall into a cute and pretty gym for what type Pokemon that is not allowed water is misty shindig that's pretty cool thank you very much sir no worries I'll say this isn't his main present because to be honest whenever it comes to Alan's joke presents I tend to not spend more than like a pound worth that well done that was actually a pound fifty that's all <laughs> um, so you'll get your other stuff later on obviously as I've said that um, the joke presents they seem to be coinciding with Pokemon so building up a little collection I'm happy with that so Alan, what's the first subject that we're go- going to get into? I think though we should go to a break before we actually do this, because normally we insert audio here for Pokemon Hot Gold and Soul Silver, which we're coming. So I can't just take that away. See you after the break. Bye. Bye. What's up, folks? You are listening to Operation Retro Shock with Crazy Cool Chris Vent and Awfully Awesome Alan Price. If one of your favorite retro memories happens to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then by all means, check out Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk on PopCultureNetwork.com. Every week we get reacquainted with old friends from the original Playmates TMNT toy line. Fab Four fans, new and old, won't be sorry for checking it out. That's Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk, and you can only find it on PopCultureNetwork.com. Nice day today. I think I might turn. Um, is that Alan? Alan! Help! Alan! Uh, yeah, I don't think you can hear me, you know. Rob Bass and everybody at Not Mint and Box and Comic Nation TV, we just want to wish you a very happy, happy birthday. Enjoy, man. Soul Silver version. Coming spring 2010. Say hello, Al. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> this is 
Alan. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? I'm okay. I'm a good guy. That's okay, then. So, Alan, what are we going to be discussing? Obviously, we didn't say at the start of the show yes. what other subject we're going to discuss, so you can divulge that information now. Our first subject matter for uh, this episode of the show is uh, Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Never heard of them. Well, doesn't surprise me. You leave the very. Uh, leave? <laughs> yeah, leave. I leave, okay, bye! Put your microphone headset back on your head. Other way around. So you can actually just move your microphone around. There you go. No. What I was trying to say is that Chris leads a very sheltered life. He's like a tree. Get out of here. That's what you're trying to say? Yeah. So. Actually, I've heard of Pokemon Heart Gold Soul Silver. Considering you have a copy of one of them. And considering I have the Pokewalker with Bulbasaur on it. And I had a Prime Ape that was on my Pokewalker. And then what did you change it to? Wabafet. So, Chris has Heart Gold. I have Soul Silver. So, perfect combination for comparing and stuff. Firstly, did we play gold slash silver or hard gold slash soul silver okay. <laughs> I think we should just say GS or HGSS <laughs> did we play G slash S or HG slash SS if so how did it compare to red slash green or fire red leaf green or this they have to make it difficult don't they yeah by re-releasing and then adding another word before it so Heart Gold, Soul Silver, the original Gold and Silver, in comparison to Generation 1. Should we just say that we play the newer in other words, <laughs> In other words, Chris, Generation 1 versus Generation 2, and their updates. So, I'm going to get confused by the end of this. Get confused easily anyway, so no change there. Uh, personally... I remember the build-up to when the original Gold and Silver was coming out, because obviously, as you'll have heard if you listened many moons ago, in episode 3 of Memory Serves... Episode 4 and episode episode 30, or whenever we covered Pokemon... There we go, fair enough. Episode 4, when we spoke about the original Red and Blue, you will have heard the many stories of me getting it as a child, so we won't delve back into that. Please don't. Um, (laughs) So, when Gold Silver was coming out... It was a pretty big deal. This is when Pokemon was really in the run-up to hitting its height in yeah. Europe and the States. Um, I remember someone bringing a copy of Gold into school and freaking out. And like, I didn't even... I wasn't... Obviously, internet wasn't a huge deal even then. <laughs> Put your noises away. Um, obviously, the internet wasn't a huge deal then, so it wasn't like... I was on the internet watching news sites and like, oh right, so gold's been announced, it's coming out on this. Yeah, we obviously didn't have the way we could uh, observe E3 like we do now. Uh, it was all down to basically your magazines. Yeah, um, which were always like a month or two behind. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so when someone <laughs> showed up in my school with a copy of gold, um, it was basically everybody huddling around that table. It's like, I want to see, I want to see, I want to see. So it was a huge deal. Um, Did you play that game at your... Uh, was there... Was no, shush <laughs> your face. Um, <laughs> I was just wondering. No, I remember going down to a local shop that shall not be named. 
Replay? Oh, why you ruin it? Um, that had imported copies from the States. Uh, I think it was probably... It's probably back then we used to be even two months or so behind getting the games from America. Yeah. Um, so it was a good while before the UK launch. And they were charging like, if I remember rightly, like £35 or something a game. I, That's not too bad. I know when you think back now, it's yeah. not too bad. It's probably about what five or six about more than yeah. the deal would have been. So to get it a bit earlier isn't that bad, really. Yeah. Um, but I remember it was my birthday gift from my granny, um, and I remember getting silver and going home and just completely being in love with this game and the fact of like there's actually you know there's color and stuff. Yeah. And there's new Pokemon, and it basically, in comparison with the originals, it was such a step forward. Uh, yes, obviously, it's still back in the times of it's still a huge cartridge and all. It isn't Game Boy Advance by any means yet. Um, but it's a case of they took what worked with one, Generation 1, expanded on it, added the Pokemon so they got more money, um, but also continue to enjoy it and just change up a few things. What about you, Chris? Um, well, the first time I, obviously, whenever the, re- I'm going to say re-release of it, okay, I'm not going to say, like, the... Reboot or... Yeah. The re-release of it basically came into um, work. I work at a game store, which we remain nameless, but it's game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I work in a game store, that's just happens to be called game. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's better. Um, and basically it came in, you had said, oh, I'm going to get that. And I was just like, what? What are you getting that for? And you're like, because I really like the original one. And I was like, Pfft. And we'd actually came across that it was like near enough a year ago that you bought it. Yeah, it came out, it was quarter one release of 2010. So it was yeah. pretty much nearly a year before Black and White came out. So um, it's only recently, whenever we were covering Pokemon, and for some reason... Like near enough, everyone that we work with in a certain branch, which is going to remain nameless, <laughs> um, has been infatuated with Pokemon. So I got the gold version because normally I would ask Alan. You know, like Alan had, um, he got the black version of. I got white. I he got white. I got black. Um, you see, I don't even know what one I get because I have to get a polar opposite of what Alan gets. Oh well, this is well. I don't blame you for getting confused with black and white because white had the black Pokemon on the front and black had the white and all, you know, it was all switcheroo and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So, so I got that and um, obviously um, we've been playing through Fire Red, Leaf Green and really enjoyed that. So, um, got that and was really impressed with it. But I like the fact that you had, you know, like you had smudgings of new Pokemon, but you still had the old faithful ones. Oh, yeah. So it wasn't a case of like. In black or white, or, or, like, boom, or like, there's all your new yeah, it's like here's all new ones. It's like, why does this crocodile have glasses on? And why is an ice cream a Pokemon? Yeah, and why is there like gears? Like, okay, somebody gears a war fan or something? I don't know. Um, but I really enjoyed that, and um, that's how I came to it. And then how we find a little trick and work because people had traded stuff in. It's kind of a case of Pokemon be traded across. <laughs> And it's just like, ah, here, Alan, do you need this? Yeah, okay. Effectively, we became Team Rocket. Yes. Blast off. Speed of light. Surrender now. We're prepared to trade in. Yes. 
So Jamie McCrory says that's right. <laughs> Jimmy McCrory is our Meowth, so there we go. Um, but yeah, it was basically that's Ninja, the Pokemon of people's traded in games. So thank you for spending about what was it about four hundred hours from that one person who played. <laughs> yeah, he not one person had played uh, their copy of Soul Silver before trading it in four hundred hours. Whether that was real or whether that was fake by an action replay, I do not know. Was that the one that had all the Kinglers and one was called Emma Crab? Yes, they'd obviously used an action replay at some stage uh, because they had an entire box filled, of, filled with Crabbies and one Kingler that was called I Am A Crab. And Scyther as well. Yes, and there was a whole box of Scythers and a whole box of eggs which we never discovered what in fact was inside the egg. One of them I got Manapi or Manafi or something. Okay, next point. Question. We are presented with three Pokemon to choose from as our starter Pokemon, surprisingly enough. Again, fire, water, grass. Who did we pick, and again, how did it compare to red slash green slash blues starter Pokemon? Chris? Uh, I chose Cyndaquil, which is Cinder! No, yeah, since Cyndaquil, Cyndaquil is the fire one. Fire one yes. Yeah, I'm getting mixed up with that and Chikorita. <coughs> and stuff, yeah. Um, so I picked that one because I thought it looked cool. You showed me what it evolved its final form into. It. I never got that far. I think it, it went into the second stage. Mm-hmm. Then I got um. Created you a Charizard, but she bred for Charmander, and then I yeah. got Charizard back. Yeah, and then I got Charizard, um, and I also got Ho Ho um, which is a lot better than this. So it's kind of hey, thanks, bye. Because at one stage I had three fire Pokemon in my team. I had Charizard, Arcanine, and Ho Oh. I was just like, I really need to get some other Pokemon. Um, Bit of variety. Yeah. I actually need to put mine up in a minute because no doubt we're going to have a point of what our team would be. And I need to see what our team, my team was. Um, But that's, um, I preferred, honestly I preferred the red, uh, green, blue, whatever way. I preferred the original ones um, than this one but obviously it's a case that I prefer this one to black and white because oh, yeah. I have no idea who even the starter Pokemon are you know it's kind of a case of what one looks nice and they're like Tepig, Snivy and Oshawott I, I don't know I don't even know I couldn't even t- I couldn't even you couldn't tell even you guess which one of those is fire, grass or water I couldn't even tell you which one I blew and picked in the game that's, that's how bad it is uh, um, but no that's what um, I would say what about you Alan well for me um, when I originally played the game uh, I picked Totodile which is the water Pokemon who obviously evolves eventually into Feraligator oh yeah um I just thought he was awesome, and I think it was around this time, obviously, surprisingly enough, because they went to uh, Johto in the anime. Pokemon Johto! Uh, that Ash had had his battle with Misty about who, in fact, had captured a wild Totodile with their lure ball. Um, and I was just like, he looks awesome because I just loved the way he talked. Because it was nearly semi Donald Duck. <laughs> yeah, Donny Osmond. It was semi Donald Duck talk. <laughs> Um, so I thought that was really cool, so I picked him. I actually also remember um, he was the first um, card from the trading card game I had got off the new Pokemon, so that was kind of part of it as well. Um, I had also on different playthroughs, because obviously as I mentioned I got silver, I eventually down the line got gold. Um, 
Cyndaquil was my choice for gold. Um, I personally think Chikorita is the um, one that you would not pick out of the three. It's the least favoured, I would say. I would say everybody would agree with that. Um, I think Chikorita would be one. Your Poco Walker's bleeping at you. Why? I turned the sound off. What were you going to say, sir? Um, I think Chikorita is one that's mainly suitable for girls. Yeah, we're, you're not saying that in the sense of it's a girl. No, I just Pokemon think it's more feminine stuff. looking than yeah. the other two Pokemon would be. Which, obviously, if you look at the anime, um, its character is purely based as being yeah. a girl. Huh? Um, I collected what if I unlocked something in the Pokewalker? A new route is being found in the Pokewalker. Scary cave is now available. Because obviously it has kind of a crush on Ash, so yes. you wouldn't see a male Pokemon having a crush on Ash, <laughs> or I would be worried. Mr. Um, Mime! No. Um, but it's nothing personal against Chikorita, but it's just not one that would ever have appealed to me to really use. I eventually got one in a trade, but it was never a case of one I would. You know, was, I got it to its final form, but it was not one I would regularly have. In yeah. Because um, I think it's fair to say that I was I was able to get my original Pokemon over from Red and Blue, so Bulbasaur was my Grass starter Pokemon that I would use in the game. Um, and I think that's kind of weird when you look at it in the sense of Bulbasaur is one of the most well all the starter Pokemon really from Gen One are really really well loved. Yeah. Everybody loved them. You know, people like their Charmanders, people like their Squirtles, people like their Bulbasaur. Uh-huh. There was, you know, there is a distinct, you know, love of all those three. So there was not one that nobody would be like, I don't really want that one. Um, obviously, Bulbasaur eventually falls into Venusaur, and it's a bit ugly. But besides that, <laughs> um, this I have always found that from after Generation One. There's always been one I'm like, I don't really like you, because and it happens to it happens to be quite a bit the grass Pokemon, because um, I remember there's uh, Sceptile uh, in the later generations. He is the final form of your grass Pokemon, and he never appealed to me either. It was again stuck with the fire and the water. Um, but yeah, it's just like those the fire and the water Pokemon in Gen 2 were the two that always stand out to me is simply because obviously uh, Cyndaquil's final form looks completely badass. Mm-hmm. He's got like the big fire collar, he's got like a mane on him. Yeah. And then obviously Feralgator just looks like a big crazy uh, man-eating crocodile <laughs> uh, that in fact shoots water. So there we go. Um, obviously, as we've kind of mentioned already, this game is set in Johto and is totally different from Kanto. Although, once we complete the game, we can indeed visit Kanto uh, because they are just simply two different regions on the same plot of island. Or I've, got, I've got my Pokemon here of what I have, if you want me to go through them. If you want to go through quickly. Okay. I have Raikou, is it? The legendary dog. Yeah. Oh, oh. The Red Gardos, Charizard, Golem, and Gengar. Very nice, sir. Very nice. Um, I'm, I, I've actually just completed the game, not like literally while we're talking, but I've completed the game, so I'm actually in Vermilion City at the moment. Very nice. Um, Where Surge is? Yeah. 
Very good. Um, but anyway, as I was saying, uh, this is set in Johto, which is beside Kanto, and one distinct thing that happens is once you complete the game, you can go back to Kanto and you can play through Kanto. Did we enjoy travelling back through Kanto and catching Pokemon back in the place where our Pokemon journey began? Well, I can't really comment on this because I've only really just started. Um, so, let's go. I'm just going to go in the grass and see what Pokemon actually turns up. It's probably Rotata. No, it's an Oddish, level 13. Um, no. Um, I do like the fact that you can go around. It's basically like the two games are in one. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, the main difference is that the Pokemon uh, trainers are a lot harder. Mm-hmm. So, like, Brock's not at, like, level 20. He'll be at, like, a higher level. Misty will be at a higher level, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I do like that aspect. Um it means as well that you've got something, you've got something to play um, in the you've game. You've actually got double the game. Yes, yeah, that's, that's what I said. But it's a case of not like you complete Leaf Green and you're like, right, that's it, I'm done. Yeah. You know, you've completed this, right? But you've got like another eight badges to go and get. Mhm. Um, so I do like that aspect, and plus the fact then you can, um, I would imagine um, that you can go and then catch the legendary birds, you know, like the Zapdos and. Articuno, Maltrez, um, go and capture them. So, again, you've got two legendary birds you can catch because it's an heart gold. Once you catch Ho Oh, you have to catch Lugia, Lugia somewhere, yeah. in, and then it's the same in Soul Silver. You catch Lugia, and then you catch Ho Ho yes. somewhere else. It is indeed, yes, that is Yay. the case. Well done, Chris. Um, but yes, when when I remember finishing gold, and I was like, Ah, damn, that's you know, that's the main story over. Yes, obviously you can, you know, you go and you can catch your Pokemon and all that. Um but I always love having still threads of a story you know, to continue on with. Yeah. You know, it would be always nice if there you know, even if your main story is finished to have something to continue on with and bits and bobs like that. So when you find out that you can then go to Kanto it's just like awesome I get to go back and play through all the original stuff that I played in red but it'll be a wee bit different I'll be able to still get all the original Pokemon and some new Pokemon still and it was pretty darn good Um, obviously like you said it was cool to see the changes because obviously it's meant to be a couple of years or a year or two past the original red and blue um, so, when you went to the likes of Brock's, he has different Pokemon, leveled up Pokemon. For example, you see Misty has a different appearance. Because oh. in the original games, obviously, she has very much like she wore in the anime outfit. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this, she has more of a swimming suit getup. And her hair is slightly different because she doesn't have it in a side ponytail like she does in the show. Okay. It's all kind of just shortly cut to the shoulders sort of stuff. So it it was cool going through that and all having, you know, still a a bit of a story to it. Not as important as a story as obviously the main game, but still enough for those who'd played the original Red and Blue to be like, oh, this is cool, I'm enjoying this. Um, Obviously... Uh, the rivalry in this game is totally different from the first. Did we enjoy this aspect? Not only that, but seeing the return of Team Rocket. 
I couldn't really care less about Team Rocket, if I'm honest, but I do like the fact that your rivalry was different. You know, that you had um, people come up and... Um, isn't in this one that you've got like a girl and a guy you start off and you're in your room and you battle and then your room gets trashed because of the Pokemon battle that's black man oh. well done Chris it's alright <laughs> you're always merging into one it's just Chris's memory is just merging into one that's I'm what, old give me a break. that's what happens with old age <laughs> the files are there but they're harder to access that's true not the save files I'm talking about sorry I'm just but I've just got my team in front of me now. I hear everybody. I'll reach out the six Pokemon that are in my team at this very moment. They're all like level 100 folks, by the way. No, they're not, actually. Well, one isn't. <laughs> um, I have Lugia, Charizard, Feraligator, Arcanine, uh, Leafeon, and Nidoking. So there you go. That's my team at this moment in time. Um, that's not the team I usually always use, but it's still a pretty decent team. Um, the way you were speaking about obviously Team Rocket it's cool to have them back but the way the rivalry works out in this one is totally different to obviously what you had uh, with Gary or whatever you called him in Chaz the uh, or Alan. first game I was called Alan <laughs> yeah I am um, I was the bad guy sweet um but obviously, Generation 1, Gary was your childhood friend, now he's your rivals with Pokemon, nothing untoward there, uh, nothing wrong with a good friendly rivalry, um, but in this one, your rival is in fact a wee thief, because you go, you see Professor Elm, he says, pick your Pokemon, um, so off you go and you go and do your own wee thing, and then eventually, after you've went up to the house that you've been asked to go to and you get an egg and you're like oh what's in this egg it's actually Tokopi shh don't tell nobody um, and you're heading back you run into him and you know, you've know you noticed him obviously before you left because he was appearing in the window of the lab and he says haha I have my own Pokemon now and challenges you to battle so he has tea leafed sort of say this. that's a saying for thieving um, one of Professor Elm's Pokemon and surprise surprise ladies and gentlemen it is the strong one against your Pokemon. He's a smart one, this child, isn't he? <laughs> um, but it is, it's pretty cool to see just there's that different dynamic in that you just weren't friends or anything like that. He's just this random bloke that is in fact bloke, well, child, uh, <laughs> that has happened to go and steal a Pokemon. And it provides a wee bit more of a rivalry because obviously you have this feeling and sense of you have stolen the Professor's Pokemon. I will but at no point you challenge him to take it back. You know, whatever. Um, next, as we said earlier again, um, we have new Pokemon to train and catch. Name your top six that you would have, you know, that if you were to choose any six of Gold and Silver's Pokemon, not including the original 150, you, but you can include the dogs slash the birds Chris right so what do you mean do you mean you don't uh, so None the ones that we actually find in just gold and silver just then? gold and silver okay right. okay you need to bear with me here cause I'm pretty poopman Chris will need to boot up his Pokedex I kinda do to be fair um I okay well I'll, I'll you go first because you probably know yourself off the top of your head I don't well 
basically it's a case of I'm not lost myself having a page here. Um, it makes for great podcast. <laughs> for alligator would be one choice for me. So he would because um, obviously, like I said, he was one of my starter Pokemon, and I still think he is a pretty darn cool Pokemon at that. Next, I would have what should we call him? I would have Lugia because he was obviously because I'd got Silver. He was a primary one for me in that. So, have you found your first one? Uh, my first one would be Ho Oh. Oh, right. Yeah. Am I allowed to have Red Gyarados? You can have Red Gyarados if you want, because technically you got him there. I know he's in Gyarados is an original 150 Pokemon, but still. Okay. Um, I would also choose um, the legendary dog that I had. The not. Is it Raikou? You're not NTI. The other one, the electric one. Mm-hmm. I'd choose him. Um. I'd actually choose Ellie Kid. Right. Not Electabuzz, because mm-hmm. I thought he was cool. And he's at four. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, my third one would be Celix, which Chris doesn't like for no. some random reason. But yes, he's the evolved form of Onyx, so I like Steelix. Mantine, is it? Uh-huh. I like him. Cool. He's kind of cool. Nice one. Um, my fourth would be fact that where has he gone he's disappeared I I like uh, Umbreon because okay. obviously that is your night evolution of Eevee mm-hmm. so that is my fourth um, not one I would have my team but I do still like is Skarmory which is like the steel bird Pokemon which you saw in that episode that it beat up Ash's Syndicle. Okay, my last one would be H- Houndum, or whatever he's called. Houndum? That's a yeah. good choice. Um, my don't last... Don't ask me to recall those folks, because I can't remember. <laughs> my last choice would be... It would be the way you had Raikou. I would have the Fire Dog. And so, there we go. With that, I just closed my page. And the yes, closed. Moving on! Speaking of me having said Umbreon, uh, Eevee is a Pokemon that can change five times in the original... It's like Booker T being a five-time WCW champion. In the original Gold and Silver, obviously you have Jolteon, Vaporeon, Flareon, Umbreon and Espeon. Uh-huh. Obviously in Heart Gold, Soul Silver you can, as I mentioned in my team, have the other evolutions that have been added, such as Leafeon and Glaceon. Um But, wow, Chris got a new three, Pokedex 3D entry. I don't even like him. Okay. Uh, obviously, thanks to Ditto and Eevee, we could get eggs that would have Eevees in them, and we could achieve all five if we put the necessary training in. Well, you didn't need to put that much necessary training in to obviously getting Jolteon, Flareon, Vaporeon, because you could just use a stone. But um, with Espeon and Umbreon, then you train, you make them happy, and they will evolve. So technically, you could have a team of Eevees. Did the breeding aspect in the daycare help us any in the game? 
was there something you got that you really were happy with getting, Chris? Yeah, so um, with the EV, um, you know, the way you said about putting them in daycare, obviously the one that I was happy with was Charmander. Thanks to me, because I sent over in a temporary trade, ladies and gentlemen. I did get something in return, though, was I sent him Charizard and my Venusaur, and they spent a little time, the ditto, got acquainted, had dinner, all that sort of stuff. Enough dinner, huh? Well, how do you know that? You were off Galvan around the country. Um, and two phone calls later, and Chris has a baby Charmander and a baby Bulbasaur. Now you got a baby uh, Growlithe and, and a baby, if memory serves, and then yeah. we had the epic battle of all battles. We had the baby battle for the ending of all ages. Um, so yes, as you will know, that when you get a baby Pokemon out of your egg, it is level one. So yes, we decided that we would have an all-out baby battle. So Chris on his team had Charizard, not Charizard, baby Charmander, and Bulbasaur, and I had Rylath and Cyndaquil, which you would think everybody... I would have the distinct advantage in this battle. Yeah, but they all know just but tackle. I know, because Charmander knew um, some fire moves. Charmander was the only one that in fact knew a fire move. Which was alright, but I but I led with him. So No, I had Charmander. No, I'm getting confused. No. I had Charmander and Bulbasaur. Sorry. You had Growlithe and Cyndaquil, so you led. Growlithe had a fire move. And Syndical didn't. But it was basically a case of it was Growlithe and Charmander faced off initially. Yeah, and then it was and two grass. I just squeaked a victory over Charmander, yeah. Growlithe. And then Bulbasaur came out and beat uh, Growlithe. So it was down to Syndical and Bulbasaur. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm just sitting there thinking, haha, I've got a fire Pokemon. He hasn't. I haven't at any point checked the moves that this Pokemon has. Out comes Cyndaquil in the attack moves and not a single fire move and I'm sitting there like, yeah, this is great. Um, so we actually get down to the point of we're both in the red and then it's again typical my t- type of attacking is just go for it all and to heck with consequences and I managed to beat Chris which in all fairness, yes, it has been like the first time I've beat Chris in battling and I think it's three battles because we face each other three times but the reason this is the case of obviously I've been playing Pokemon a lot longer than everybody uh, not everybody in the world <laughs> but in uh, my friend's circle and um, uh, Chris has been playing it longer than our other friend Jamie which you'll have heard many many times his name mentioned everybody in terms of the pokemon this. Yeah, HVG in Pokemon Stadium. Pokemon Stadium. But the fact of the matter is, in the two battles I have faced Chris, I've been like, what Pokemon do I have below level 30 that can face him? And, and, and they're usually really, really weak. But that's besides the point. Um, the baby battle would probably be our highlight from <laughs> yeah. breeding the Pokemon. <laughs> um, but I do like the idea of the fact that you could go and get an entire team of EV evolutions if you wanted at this point in the game because the original Gold and Silver your entire team would be of every evolution or original version of EV that was possible to stage yeah. um, 
obviously Hartman's or Silver we had other options. Um, this is obviously the first rebirth of a Pokemon game um, that you can use Wi-Fi. Yes, we know that you can get the Wii adapters and all with the original Fire Red and Leaf Green, but we're not counting that. We're talking about Wi-Fi physically being built into the machine that you're having to play it on. Um, this obviously allows you to get mystery, a mystery gift and trade and battle with others around the world. Have we used this feature heavily, Chris? No, I haven't used it at all because uh, my 3DS will connect to my fiber optic hub, whereas whenever I put in like a uh, a game like Pokemon or whatever, and I go to connect, it, whenever I enter the security key, it doesn't recognize what it is, so it won't let me. So I can't do nothing. Not for nothing. I can't do anything, I'm afraid. Unfortunately for Chris, um, I have used it a bit, but I find at times it can be a bit temperamental. I don't know if it's because it's a you know we're in the UK and that sort of a thing. Because I've heard it works fantastically in the states and Japan. And that's yeah, been, it's been a huge promotion point in Japan, showing that oh look here's someone who's on like the north at the north of Japan and there's someone at the south of Japan and look they're trading Pokemon they're battling Pokemon that sort of a thing. Um, my main experiences from Pokemon battling, be it you know a battle or trading, etc., have come from a face-to-face, um, in, you know, encounter. Yeah. What has, um, which I personally think is more fun because obviously yes, over the Wi-Fi, you can get the audio from each of the people, but there's no video, there's no face-to-face contact, and you know you can't laugh at when something happens. And whereas, pardon me. Um, if you're in the same room and you're battling or trading or whatever, you know, you can talk and chat back and forth easily and have a laugh about it, which is a lot more fun. Which is why if you can talk your friends into Pokemon, it's like, well. Right. Although it works like more expensive for everyone. Like, let's you're get not. new Pokemon. So, what? No, you wouldn't be buying their copy, so. Um. Obviously, Pokemon Heart Gold Soul Silver has a bonus. What is this bonus, you say? We can now walk with our Pokemon. That is right. Pokemon are now able to be transferred into the real world and be real. Me and Chris are quitting our jobs next week, and we are going to walk around the entire country challenging people. Now, I wonder if there could be like a job where, like at the height of Pokemon Soul Silver and stuff, you were a Pokemon walker. So people will come up and give you like a dog walker. <laughs> yeah, and give you like their poke walker and say, oh, okay, there's, I have Charizard in that. Can you raise it for me? I need to get um, all the things open. Right, okay. Well, kind of like being a real life daycare man. Okay, well it'll take me like three days to do that because I normally go for a walk and I normally garner ten thousand steps. So that includes to how many watts and be like, okay, right, that'll be fifteen quid. Right, okay. Thank you very much. Away we go. Uh, the trick there. Obviously, I am joking. Pokemon are not real in the real world or anything uh, like that. But uh, you can take your Pokemon for a walk on the little device that, in fact, looks like semi like a Pokeball. You get this with the game. It is called the Poke Walker, and this allows you to not only walk with your Pokemon but catch Pokemon, gain walks via your steps, give gifts to your fellow trainers, which me and Chris do every time we see each other in work or outside of work like now 
Yes, exactly. Uh, was like this... Like now, I don't have mine with me. <laughs> <laughs> like now, yes. Like now, uh, I don't have mine. <laughs> was this a great way to level up and catch new Pokemon? I actually caught, probably caught more Pokemon on the Pokewalker than I did in the game. Especially like the newer kind of ones, I probably caught more there. Uh, I know there was quite a few Pokemon that I, like that Mantine or whatever I said. Mm-hmm. Um, I caught him on that and I haven't seen him in the game at all. Like, there was a couple that I actually caught and was just like, oh, I like that. But I like the fact as well, because I have Bulbasaur on mine at the minute. Um, and whenever you trade him back, like say you walk him for a day, um, and you have like say a uh, thousand watts or 500 watts, you put it back on your, um, you, it links up to the top of your cartridge, so they're all like synced. So like my cartridge is like with my Pokewalker. It's not a case that Alan can use his Pokewalker. I can't. My. I can't steal his Bulbasaur or anything yeah. like that. But it means then that whenever you put it back, you level that up. Mm-hmm. So it means that if you're, if you have a Pokemon like Bulbasaur or it's like reasonably I, low leveled. Yeah, and you want to put them up, but you don't want to put them in daycare because it takes too long. Then that's an easy way for you to do it. That's how I level up Bulbasaur and how I level up Gengar as well. Must buy that just every day when I came home from work, put it on, and then just put the Pokemon back on ready for the next mm-hmm. day. Um, my experience with the Pokewalker has been slightly different in the sense of um, I had a Primate on mine for quite a long time. And cheated? No, I didn't. You did? Mario Sunshine. I will leave it there. Um, every Pokemon game, I will leave it there? No. You will not leave it anywhere. <laughs> Whatever that is. Anyway, I had Primeape and uh, I transferred it off my Pokewalker finally on Saturday and replaced it with Wobbuffet. Um, I checked I... through, because when you transfer it back to your uh, cartridge, it comes up with a brief history of what's happened yeah. while you've been on it. I looked at it and it was actually to the day a month since I had transferred Primeape to So you went up a level? So in a month my Primeape has went up a level. And I was like, yeah. How many watts did you get though? I had like 7,000 watts or something on my Pokewalker. That's not too bad. Um, so it worked out well in that sense because so, it opened up like another five paths or something like that. Um, yeah. But the Pokewalker is such a good idea because not only... Um, does allow you to bring your Pokemon with you, get gifts, etc, etc. It promotes for kids. I have a point to make as well. Make your point in a minute. Okay. That's a it promotes yes, a healthy lifestyle for kids because they're like, you know, your mum and dad say are sitting there Go and they're walking. like, they're like, Jenny or Johnny or whoever you are. <laughs> Um, I'm just giving an example here. Um, <laughs> I like the way they both had J yeah. and Y at the end. <laughs> I didn't even mean that. Um, we're, we're going out, we're going to the shops or something like that. You're not bringing in your DS, you need to take a break from it. And they're like, okay, mom, or whatever. And then they can transfer whatever Pokemon they want from their box onto their Pokewalker, clip it onto their belt, put it in their pocket. And then they can still feel like, well, I'm still treating my Pokemon, but I'm like, yeah. Walking and that sort of thing. So that works out well, in my opinion. What was your point, Chris? I was going to say that obviously, with the different incarnations of Pokemon, you know, we've got Pokemon Black and White now and that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's something that should 
whenever a new DS game comes out, that that should be supported with that. Mm-hmm. So then, whenever Pokemon Black or White, you know, very much in the same aspect of with the 3DS or DSi, so whatever, you have different updates, you know, for the 3DS store or the DS store. Mm-hmm. Why can't they do that on that? So like a Pokemon yeah. Black, you put your Pokemon Black. Well, one, one thing I'd say about that is, and it's it's nothing major or anything like that. Um, it would have been nice to have Pokewalker um, compatibility with black and white, considering obviously they went and made it available with Heart Gold and Soul Silver, and black and white only came out a year later, not even a year later in Japan. Uh-huh. Um, even if it meant each game you happened to get a new Pokewalker that was provided with the game. Yeah. Aesthetically, I think it would, I think it would be cool in the sense of obviously the Poker Walker everybody's got with uh, Hardwood or Show Silver is a classic Pokeball design. Yeah. But with each new generation, the design of that changes. So say with Black and White, it could have been a Great Ball design. Yeah. Then the next one, an Ultra Ball design, and so on. And yeah. Cool and just you know rotate it about. You plenty. Yeah. And then if you Pokeball designs there. And then if you were to put. Like say your Pokemon from gold or silver towards the black or white, mm-hmm. you know. Like if you were to do like the we, you know, the way we pair ours up, uh-huh. that there, then something an item from gold or silver that isn't available in black or white will then cross over. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's like a, if it's like a um, a berry or something like that, yeah. or you know, well, that's the thing is kind the of only thing. way you can get berries in black and white is by going on the Dream World thing on the Pokemon website. So. If you were to tr- be able to transfer a berry or something like that to, you know, black or white and yeah. stuff like that, that would be indeed a good idea. Uh-huh. Moving on, um, who do we prefer? We've kind of said this already, but we'll hit on the point again. Who did we prefer, Hobo or Lugia, as our chosen legendary, in inverted commas, bird, because obviously they both have wings, um, or did we prefer to catch the dogs or the original three birds? The choices are endless. Kinda. What about you, Chris? Um, right, well, I caught Ho-Oh, Ho-O, I caught first of all, and I immediately thought this Pokemon kicked him butt, because both him, Charizard, and another Pokemon were the main two that helped me beating the uh, Elite Four. Um, they were both, like, so strong and uh-huh. stuff, so... Um, the dogs, as I said to you earlier on, the... Um, Electric one I like, um, but I find they were a pain in the backside because if you were to fly from one point, if they were at like the top of the map, yeah, you were at the bottom and you flew up to the top, then they would move somewhere else. Oh, that's all part of the fun, Chris. No, it really it's wasn't. The thrill of the hunt. One of them I caught like within five minutes. The other one I must have spent an hour chasing around to try and find yeah. out where he was, and I caught him. It was just like. Oh, he's another fire one. I don't want fire. I want like something like water <laughs> or something. Um, so he's in the box, but um, I still have to go and catch the other three birds. So uh, once I catch them, I probably have Articuno and Zapdos in my team. Fair enough. Um, obviously, I mentioned Lugia is my favorite of these two. Simply because, yes, he was the first one of the two I got because I had silver, but also that I remember, I think I went on holiday to Spain or something like that, um, the year that Pokemon went out, and obviously Pokemon is a fantastic game to 
pass the time on the plane and stuff like that. Yeah. I remember I had been training and training and training uh, my Lugia. I think when I got in the plane or something like that, it was like level 90 or something like that. So I was really grinding away at getting this experience on this Pokemon, basically going through the Elite Four again and again and again and again. Um, as you um, And I remember finally on that holiday it, getting it to level 100. Mm. I'm so pleased because it was an absolute monster. Absolute monster because it was like it had really, really good HP. It was like, I think it was like 390 HP, which is pretty darn high even for it, because any ones I've got down the line have nowhere near been that HP. I think the nearest I've had is maybe 340, so it's, you know, good 50 off my original one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had good, you know, I was fond of that. Um, when it comes to the others, um, the dogs are alright. But again, there was n- not a particular one that really stands out to you and just goes, "That is awesome." Um, I think it would have been better with uh, what. Um, I, I saw where they were going in the sense of you had the original were three birds, and then you had three dogs, and blah 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 blah. Yeah, well, I've only got two of the dogs. You'll get him later in Kanto. Um, with what um, form is Lugia? What do you mean? You know what type is he? Um, he is, if I remember rightly, he has psychic attacks and all, because, but he's flying as well, if my memory serves me. It's just a case of, because you see, because Ho-Ho is obviously fire, and then you have that dog one, which is electric, and then you have another fire. Mm-hmm. Why did they do, like, with the legendary birds, why didn't they do one water one fire, one electric, mm-hmm. no. and cover, you know, like, everything they did, cover all the bases, you know, so you could have had, like, a, something to cool, like a rock dog or something. Mm-hmm. No, um, I was right, it is, it's a psychic and a fly-in one, so it is, because it's, it's in random. It's, well, it's good, but it's a case of, when you look back at the original, say, the original Pokemon movie, um, obviously Mewtwo is psychic, and so is Mew. Like, yeah, but the thing is, them. right, because they're psychic, they can use their psychic powers to levitate and float about anyway. So it doesn't really make that much of a difference. If you're psychic, you can fly anyway. So, and, But Alkazam, you don't really see him flying about. But nonetheless, um, I still like Lugia. He's still a pretty cool guy. Um, plus, he's the main star of the second movie, which is cool. Um, if I had to choose... My top two out of the whole lot of legendaries up until this point would be Lugia and Zapdos. Everybody knows I'm fond of Zapdos as my favourite legendary bird. Um, but definitely the original three legendary birds would take place well over the dogs. So it's just yeah, I think no, the dogs would no come contest. last in the red area. There is no contest between the two for me. Um, obviously in the original Gold and Silver, they are considered the best all-round Pokemon game. Obviously, yes. You could say, well, the stuff in Ruby and Sapphire is better, or such and such, and whatever. But I think, as a whole, these are the best all-round Pokemon games. If someone was to want to experience Pokemon, you're getting, not only are you getting a decent size amount of Pokemon here, you know, you're well over, well, I think at this stage, what were we? 
in your original 150 and you got about another 100 in this, so you're about 252 Pokemon. Um, 150 and 150 makes 300. No, I said 200, your original 150 and another 100 gets you to 250 odds. Um, gets you to 250, not 250 odds. 252 because you I'm price mad, folks! Oh, shush, go away. Email. Okay, anyway, bye. then you got your existing place that you had your story, and then you had Captain, so you can see the original place it all began. Um, do you feel. Chris, obviously, yes, you've played Heart Goals more than obviously the original, but do you agree that it is a fantastic all round game that. The feeling behind it, or features that it has, some of the newer games, such as Black and White, are lacking. Yeah, because it, because it basically has, in a sense, you might as well say this is Pokemon, Gold, Silver, Red, Green, Blue. Mm-hmm. You might as well say that's all that because you basically all have that all in this. Whereas you know, with the likes of Diamond and Pearl, Ruby, Sapphire. Black White, you basically have those set of It's a standalone story. Yeah, whereas this has, you know, basically that, and then, you know, as we've said, once you complete that, then you face, you know, once you face Elite Four, then you go back to kind of where it all began, and it kind of has a, a nice throwback for um, people who are being fans of the series, you know, like yourself, and then it's like, um, whenever you complete the game, I'm sure. A lot of people were like, "Oh, I get to like do this now." Like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." Because I thought I once I finished that, like, that's it, it's done. You know, and it's nice to see that. It would have been. I also don't know what happens in the end of Black or White because I don't even know if I'll plan it. To be brutally honest, um, but it'd be nice if they say they did that with Black or White, and then at the end, once you complete it, you did all the stuff that you did. And, Diamond or Pearl or something mm-hmm. like that. There was yeah. something. There was something actually. Yeah, yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, obviously, I've made the point that I think it's the best all-round game anyway. But um, best game ever. I would have thought it. Oh, I just remember something. Would, I carry on talking. Now, I thought it, it would have been completely lazy of them not to put Kanto in gold and silver because obviously, unlike the newer ones, were you had obviously after this we go to Game Boy Advance so obviously Game Boy Advance allowed slightly better graphics and blah 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 um, and they eventually went as we know and redid the originals um, but they were all still on the big Game Boy cartridges here so it wasn't that big of a deal for them to go right we have the platform we have the basic designs in our database for Kanto we have all the sprites and we have all that all we need to do is update some of the sprites and that sort of a thing. We have our characters, we have our location. So all we need to do is really think of a storyline for that wee bit. So it wasn't that big of a deal for them to add that on. And I think it just takes the game to just a slightly different level than all the rest and shows a bit more creativity than especially the most recent in black and white. And that is that. There's Crystal. Yes. Ha ha. Pun. Intended. Yeah, it was intended. Okay, so uh, obviously we finished reading the points here that are in black and white, funnily enough. Uh, So join us after the break, um, because we're going to have a very special interview with Eric Stewart, who 
you may know as the voice of Brock Alok. No, that's just Brock in uh, Pokemon anime th- series and obviously films up until what se- season was it all? Um, it would be seven if my memory serves. Okay, and obviously the voice of James from Team Rocket. So uh, we're going to go to the break and then we'll come back and have a little sit down chat with uh, Mr. Eric Stewart on um, his time in Pokemon and some questions for him. And then once that's over, then we're going to be discussing some of the works that Eric Stewart did, uh, mainly Pokemon Anime Season 2. I'm looking forward to this. Engage fanboy mode. (laughs) I'm always engaged. Uh, so join us after break, folks, and uh, we'll see you on the other side of the interview. Well, not literally see you, but you'll... We'll see you in a few. No, you'll hear us in a few. Bye. Hello, everyone. I'm Andy Evans, and this is Dan Barnstall. Hello, everyone. And we are the hosts of The Total Wrestling Show, your UK's total wrestling experience, and also the most interactive wrestling show in the world. We are live every Sunday night, 6pm GMT. You can listen live via TotalWrestlingShow.com or find us on Facebook, just search for TWS Live. So if you want the latest news, the biggest superstar interviews, and what can we say, the most exclusive prize competitions, then you want to join us either live or on the podcast. And if you've got a burning issue and you want to get in contact, you can do. Skype us in at TSCAndy1 or call in on 020 5836. Phone lines are open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Leave us a voicemail and you never know, you might hear your voice on our show. We are the UK's premier interactive wrestling radio show. Any emails, email us in at studio at totalwrestlingshow.com. And if we hear from you, we hope to see you as well. Join us live every Sunday, 6 p.m. We'll see you in the ring. Alan Price, this is Pixel Dan, and I just wanted to wish you a very happy birthday, my friend. Have a drink for me. Hi, this is Larry Caddy, the voice of Lionel from Thundercats. You're listening to Alan Price and Chris Vint on Operation Retroshock. Thunder, 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 Thundercats, ho! They're back to save the world by popular demand. An ancient legend is coming true. A force with the power that could threaten the entire balance of the world. This summer, prepare for an all-new challenge and see how one person will make all the difference. they've ever had to face with Pokemon you've never seen before. Kids WB presents Pokemon the Movie 2000. Only in theaters July 21st. 
Find out about the all-new Pokemon trading card game card giveaway and other Pokemon 2000 events at theater lobby displays and on the new Pokemon website. Hello and welcome back from the break, folks. Um, as you've probably heard in the last couple of episodes, we've got a pretty big interview teased up. Uh, one that's particularly fond of... Uh, Alan, didn't you say your inner child exploded or something whenever you heard that we had this gentleman on? Yes, just a tiny, tiny bit. <laughs> okay, I can't do justice for the gentleman. Um, so if you could please introduce yourself and what you pertain to um, why we have you on the show. Sure. Well, uh, my name is Eric Stewart. Um, I am a voice actor. I am a singer-songwriter. Um, but I think that one of the reasons that you were, at least the main reason you have me on your show is, uh, I played Brock from Pokemon, and I played James from Pokemon, and I also played Seto Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> awesome. Well, Eric, uh, welcome to Operation Retroshock. Thank you for clearing some time. I know the last time you had thunderstorms. I don't know whether that was Ash and Pikachu. I'm not 100% sure, <laughs> but, you know, like, uh, just thankfully everything's all well and everything. So, Alan, if you would like to head over with, uh, with the first question then. Sure thing. Um, how did you get into voice acting? Was it always something you wanted to get into? Uh, actually, no. Um, it, the, the, the Reader's Digest condensed version is, um, I actually, you know, I was, I was a musician first, singer-songwriter first, so I, I always had an interest in at least working at a recording studio. And I was a, um, I was a tennis, uh, a junior tennis pro, like a hitter, like I'd go out and, and, uh, play with the members out in, uh, in a tennis club out in, uh, well, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the Hamptons, um, <laughs> right? And um, a member there said to me one day, hey, um, you know, I know you're a musician. You, you know, you want to come? I own a recording studio in New York. Do you want to come and work for us? And I thought, great. This would be a great opportunity for me to... Um, to get into to get into more music and learn about you know recording music and I show up and of course it was kind of like the Karate Kid of uh, of training I was the <laughs> I was the coffee boy so it was kind of like wax on or like you know clean counter uh, you know uh, uh, you know make coffee and 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 after about a week or so of working there um, I I asked the boss I said uh, when do the bands start coming in and when do you know and they said well that's not really what we do here um, we 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 only do voiceovers. And I thought, what, what kind of what kind of studio is that? He said, you know, radio and TV commercials. And I thought, okay, that's kind of interesting that somebody can make their living just doing voiceovers. So I gradually went from this. Of course, is not is turning into the non-readers' digest condensed version, but it is a long <laughs> story. Um, uh, I, I went from coffee boy to production assistant to casting director to producer. And, uh, finally ended up running the studio. But throughout that period of time, I, um, I would run casting sessions where, you know, might have like a husband and wife talking about pizza or something. And maybe at the end of the casting session, that last uh, husband didn't show up. So I'd jump in the booth and I'd read with them. And I wouldn't even slate my name. I would just read with them so that they had somebody to play off of. And, and gradually the client started to say, we really like the last guy. And well, I'm like, well, the last guy's me. I'm just filling in. They're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We want to book you. And so it's like, well, all right. After a couple of jobs like that, I realized that, um, hey, you know, what you can make in a, in a, in a TV voiceover, um, pretty much was like my month's salary of working nine to five at a recording studio. 
Um, and at that same time, I was, uh, I was about to go out on tour and play music. So I thought, what a, what a great switch. Let's, let's do something real risky and take a step off that cliff and, uh, go full time being a musician as well as a voice actor, which will allow me to record anywhere there's a microphone. So, um, that's sort of my weird way into it. And then I, you know, I, I got some auditions for cartoons and, uh, you know, as I started to really pursue it, got myself an agent. And I, I mean, I've been doing voiceover work for over 25 years now. And, um, you know, it's something that I think being a singer has been, it's so related to the same thing. I mean, it's all voice work for me. So. Okay. Um, obviously, as you said earlier on, you know, um, one of the main reasons we have you on is the voices you did in Pokemon. Um, mm-hmm. Were Brock and James the characters you actually auditioned for, and how did you get the audition? I auditioned for that show. Um, I had been uh, doing some uh, s- sort of straight-to-DVD uh, stuff or straight-to-video at that time. Um, I was working on it. I got the role of uh, Gowry on Slayers, which was a very funny show. And um, and somebody from that production company recommended me to audition for uh, this new show they had called Pokemon. And I thought, okay, this is this is good. You know, more animation stuff should be fun. And nobody knew what this was going to become. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went in and I auditioned, and I got nothing. I got no roles whatsoever, and I thought, okay, well, that that's kind of hardcore, all right. Um, about a week later, I get a phone call, hey, yeah, we started to record the guy that we picked for Brock, and we don't like him. He's, he, he, could, could you come back in? And I was like, sure, I can come back in. So I come back in, and I do a session with them, and they're like, okay, you're the new Brock. I'm like, good, all right, so I got a role on that. That's great. And then... Um, after a co- about a month or so into the show, um, a good buddy of mine who was originally playing James, um, I, I think he took a theater job out on the road to perform in a, in uh, you know uh, his his love he's he's a true actor so he his love was to go out and do things like that and left the show and so at first they brought me in and said Eric can you imitate uh, what he did as James and I said yeah I probably could do that. So I was I was basically following the map that he had put uh, there first. And then as the show started to progress, I said, you know, we're playing James so like straight evil. And I have a feeling that this guy gets a lot wackier than what you've seen so far. And they're like, no, 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 no. He's a real bad guy. He's, <laughs> he, you know, this is and I said, mm, I don't think he's a real bad guy. And then I started to sneak in a little bit of the silliness and then of course thank goodness i did because as as we got to like episode five or six you know whether he's wearing a dress or screaming like a little girl um it became very obvious that um the earlier episodes were uh not the actor's fault but uh definitely <laughs> the director's fault um, <laughs> um you know and and I, I really can't even blame him because a lot of times with these shows when we um when we start working on a big project like that we're not given all of the episodes or even what the storyline is we might be given only the first three episodes so you look at the first three episodes and you think okay i get a handle on what's going on but then in episode four yeah he's wearing a dress so they sort of pull the rug out from under you so that's how i got to be the two of the two of the main characters on the show i didn't win it win either role in an audition but um you know i i sort of came in through the back door and then stayed with it for 10 years so nice one okay. um We've heard a lot of t- stories over the years that voice actors tend to work a lot on their own. Was this the case for, for yourself? And if so, did you miss having any interaction with your fellow stars? Well, the nice thing about what I got to do, um, because I also um, 
I was the the senior ADR director at uh, at Four Kids for for seven or eight years as well. Um, and with Pokemon, I directed myself a lot as well as filled in and directed some of the other actors. So I got the benefit of yes, I worked alone where I'd be in the room if I was working with another director or, or just the engineer. Um, I had that lonely time, which isn't so bad because I like to just focus, get the work done with with that, and that's fine. I can crank through the stuff, but. I got the benefit of working with my friends because I got to direct them. And, um, so whereas most of the time we, you know, we, the actors just pass each other in the hallway and say, Hey, Hey, how'd it go? Good. Great. See you later. Um, I actually spent hours and hours. I mean, you know, I directed Yu-Gi-Oh! So, um, you know, Dan Green, who played Yugi, I mean, he was my big rival in the show, but he's a very good friend of mine. And I spent, you know, at least 10 to 15 hours with him in the booth every week. So, um, you know, I would never have interacted with him otherwise. I probably would never even, you know, have been in the room at the same time. Uh, but I did get to work on some uh, prelay shows, which for your for your listeners, if they're not familiar with that, um, we get to record the voices ahead of time and then send it to animation, uh, which uh, gives a lot of freedom to the actor as well to come up with their own line reading. And uh, I directed a show called Viva Pinata. Uh, which, oh, yes. was, which, which is a very, very funny show if anybody gets a chance to watch that. And that was actually, uh, interesting enough. I recorded each voice separately and then built the show as if it was a radio drama and then sent that to the animators. Whereas Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which we did up at Four Kids, the Turtles, the four guys would record all at once. So there was some time that we did get some interaction. Okay. Um, obviously, you were saying there, you know, you got the direct um, fellow people and stuff. Um, was working on Pokemon a memorable experience for you? And do you have any fond stories or one story in particular that you would like to share with us? Uh, it was a lot of fun, um, especially with the fact that, you know, when we started out, you know, you really expect it to just be another one of those straight to DVD jobs. And, you know, will anybody actually ever see this? Or uh, And once it became this huge sensation, it was kind of cool for me to, to just see this, know that even though there are people out there that I'm sure uh, hate me for making them go buy cards for their kids. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's 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 part of pop culture history, love it or hate it. I mean, it's it, you know, you say that and, and someone will have a story that goes along with it. Um, so it was kind of cool to say, you know, to say that I was involved in that. Um, and now that I've started to do some conventions, which I really didn't do very much when I was living in New York, you know, now being in Nashville, I'm sort of a little more central so that I can get to places a little easier and and actually interacting with some of those fans that, you know, they say the same thing you said to me. It's like it's like, you know, you grew up listening to my voice play those characters and mm -hmm. You know, that's cool. I mean, I'm flattered by that, that, to think that somebody, you know, associates, that's my childhood, right there, that, you know, that guy was part of my childhood. That's cool. Um, as for a, a memorable story, I mean, you know, this is a PG show, so we really can't get into too much stuff. But I will say, I will say that uh, what was always a lot of fun was, you know, you get a little punchy when you've been in the studio in the booth for three to four hours recording stuff. And, and some of the outtakes and, and things like that that we saved, um, for our own listening pleasure, which hopefully one day someone will <laughs> release those. Uh, oh, very much like the Thundercats ones, then. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it, yeah, exactly. And 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 it's funny because you know people always talk about all these parodies that are online of the stuff that we've done, and I'm like, let me tell you something. As funny as those, do you think those are? They're not as funny as the ones by the real actors <laughs> who did them off the top of their head when they saw a, a, a certain animation that might have uh, uh, brought some other thoughts to their mind. I, I've, <laughs> you know. 
Yeah. That was well dodged there, sir. I must Thank admit. you. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. Um, what was your most favourite and least favourite voice slash noise to do on the show? Uh, Pokemon in particular, I think my my favorite voice, you know, people ask me what my favorite character was that I've done on any show, and it, it's it's always been a tie between uh, Seto Kaiba and James, and I think they 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 both represent uh, not only two sides of my personal personality of being uh, a, you know a goofball and also uh, being sort of a, a badass because I'm I'm not always a nice guy. You know, ask my wife, um, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but um, you know it, what was interesting about both those characters was that they they tested two sides of, of of what I'm able to do. So on Pokemon, James was definitely my favorite um, voice because I also felt that he has a, a tremendous range from being you know incredibly silly you know and dark and d- I'm I'm being a tough guy to being so over the top and laughing like a little woman. I mean that that that. That in itself, and he could he could sing in an episode, or he could uh, he could you know he could go into disguise and try to pretend he's someone else. There's a lot of flexibility there. Um, the worst noise or sound, um, I think, when they asked me to be the other team rocket, and I said sure, let, that would be fun. What do you want to do? And they're like, well, it can't sound like James, and it and it can't sound like Brock. Uh, we've got to come up with something else. And and as a voice actor. You know, you've got you've got your 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 placement of your voice that you can change up. You've got your dialects if you want to do that. Um, you can give yourself a speech impediment if that's something that might work for a character. But I made the dumb choice with Butch from Butch and Cassidy um, to talk like Harvey Feierstein, and that's <laughs> such and that's such pressure on your chords that it's mm. one thing if he's talking like this. But when I had to yell all the time as Butch, especially with, you know, my name is Butch, not this, not this, not this, whatever, all, all the uh, things you can imagine that start with the letter B. Um, <laughs> uh, good dodge there, too. But but um, that was definitely painful because after a three-hour session as Butch, I, I, I felt like my vocal cords were like bloody pulps. <laughs> Ouch. Um, so... If you had to pick one Pokemon from either James or Brock to have by your side, you know, if Pokemon was real in the real world, yep. who would you, what would you choose and why would you choose that particular one? Well, I have a soft spot in my heart for the first Pokemon that I ever voiced, which was Squirtle. Um, uh, and and I just think that with, with the Ray-Bans on, the whole sort of, like, he was cool... Um, there was, the, 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 you know, we, I remember trying to figure out, like, what do you mean I need to make a noise like one of these creatures? You know, they're like, yeah, they're like, yeah, and you got to say his name. They're like, you got to say his name. Can't he just make noise? No, you've got to say his name. Um, so uh, I think I think because he was the first one that I did, uh, he's my favorite. Um, I've got little action figures of him. He's really the main, you know, toy that I actually own of of the of the of the actual Pokemon. Um, and you know the water thing coming up with the thing was very very funny. I mean, I remember doing that for the first time with spitting the water out because you know originally they didn't want me to make noise when that happened on screen, and I was like, you know, I can do this really crazy thing with the water thing, and they were like, yeah, let's hear it. And so that that sort of became the signature uh, sound for him, and um, I'm kind of proud of that. Did at any point did anyone go Eric use water gun or anything? <laughs> yeah right. Uh, yeah, but you know that would be afterwards when we meet at the pub, right? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, did you ever play the video game? And if so, do you remember any Pokemon you had on your team? 
I did not play the video game. Uh, I think I might have worked on some of the video games. Uh, that A lot of that stuff is a blur because when the games would come along, it would be like get in the booth and record like, you know, 50 times going, uh, ah, uh, uh, and you know, like, you don't even, like, what am I doing? What, you know, is this legal? Um, and, 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 uh, I, I can't say that I know anything about the video game, so I'm sorry about that. Okay, um, how did you garner inspiration for the voices of the characters, that you, like Brock and James? Did you look at them and something just happened, or was it something that uh, just completely different? Well, with the James thing, as we talked about earlier, it started as a sound-alike. So that was kind of the vocal register that they wanted him in. But then the other stuff that I added to him, I mean, I, you know, I, I think anybody who tells you that they've created something that hasn't been done before is a liar. Um, you know, you borrow from things that are influences. And, and uh, um, I'm sure you remember... Um, uh, the the Wizard of Oz with the 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 Ed Wynn, uh greeting you at the gate with the yes. ooh yes uh, all of that stuff I mean that's straight from you know Ed Wynn and and um or even uh, Snagglepuss exit stage left I mean that's that's what that stuff is there was something and and also I I really think I I the fact that he was a uh, upper you know crust you know without being you know without being english we had to give him that sort of he's related i thought he was related to the crane brothers fraser and niles <laughs> um and that's really what i thought was that that if they, if they had an animated brother it would be james and i think that that's what influenced a lot of of what i did with him um with brock you know um I didn't imitate the guy that I replaced because they didn't like him, so we didn't want to do that. But, but you know, as, as a you know, I, I guess a, a guy that you know, I I do have a slightly deeper voice, so you know, my my young boy animated voice is kind of pinched and up here, and that's what I did. So it was like, how do I sound young and cool instead of just young and I'm talking like a young boy? No one wants. Of course, the girls run away from me because I sound like a wimp. You know, you're not going to do that. So I wanted to give him some kind of little edge to him, and I thought that 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 little bit of a uh, uh, you know, and 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 that reminds me a little bit. It's uh, it, you know, Casey Kasem did uh, um, Mark from uh, G Force and Shaggy and all of that. It's all up there. It's all the same stuff. You know, golly scoops. You know, <laughs> awesome. Um, how difficult was it for you to actually use the Japanese anime and you know, you know, create your lines to the mouth movements? Well, you know, it, that, that's a, that's a two-part question. The first part is, you hope that the writer actually knows how to count syllables, um, when they give you the adaptation. I mean, there have been times, you know, I have, I have adapted scripts myself, and I know how hard it is to watch things frame by frame and, and go, one, one, two, one, two, three, okay, that's what, how the line has to fit. Um, a lot of writers, a lot of creative writers are like, oh, I could write this stuff. Um, and they want to write what's funny or they want to write what's a great line to put in there and they don't realize, you know, it doesn't fit. And, and some people come from the school of, well, if you're doing anime, it doesn't really matter if the lip flap matches. Um, maybe that's true in, uh, on some shows, but the majority of broadcast shows need, to me are, it's distracting. And it, and it really, it reminds you that the show was not originally done in English. And I, and I work very hard to line up Lip Flap, not only as a, as a, as an actor, but as a, as a director. Um, so you've got that side of it. But then I, I've got to say that I, I feel pretty confident in saying to you that I will nail Lip Flap in a second take. 
um, if I don't get it in the first take because it, it, if it was written well um, and I read it against the picture, I probably will come close that first time. But the second time after looking at it, I'll nail it because after years and years of this stuff and also I think being a musician with understanding rhythm and stuff like that, you it's it's like saying to somebody, hey, can you sing along with this chorus? Yeah, play it for me once. Got it. I can sing along with it now. I know how it's phrased. Um, you digest that stuff. Uh, and and with the prelay stuff, you didn't have to worry about that. So you could just be freeform and be funny. But with the with the ADR stuff, you really it's fifty percent acting and it's fifty percent technical. Did working on the movies have a different aura from working on the TV show? Yeah, the first movie in particular, which um, uh, you know, when you when you get the thrill of, hey, we're making a feature film. All right, it's gonna be great. You know, you go to the huge sound studio where you know, gigantic screen and the microphones hanging out in the front of the room. You're not even near it. I'm like, am I close enough to this? They're like, oh, you're fine. You're like, as if you're looping <laughs> a film. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not st- standing on a street corner somewhere. Like, I'm gonna, you know, we always mic this stuff close. Like, no, no, you're good. And you know, giant numbers showing you time code and you know four guys in the engineer booth instead of just one and uh it was it was it felt like i was doing something for hollywood so that was kind of exciting and um you know it was it was it was an, it was definitely a cool experience you know the first movie was like that and then as the you know i think i did eight films or you know the movies all together something like that for pokemon and gradually i think by the i think i might have directed like the sixth one um you know it became it almost felt like we were just doing like a uh, a made-for-TV special. It felt like we were just doing, you know, okay, start to finish storyline. It, you know, we actually have an ending. Um, you know, we, we've got a cameo uh, villain or something like that, and uh, that's it. There's no, well, we got to look back on the three episodes ago. Like, what did we do here, and where is this going? You know, being self-contained like that. So it kind of lost a little bit of the thrill after the second movie. But I've got to say, uh, you know, that first movie made something like eighty million dollars. So, uh, you know, when, when you know what we what we did um, uh, to make it, uh, you know, and the cost to make it, and then what what they made as a profit, uh, you know, I think there's many movies in Hollywood that wish they had the same sort of profit margin on something. Like Waterworld, Waterworld. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, give me one tenth of the budget uh, for a Pokemon movie like that, and we'll, and we'll show you how Waterworld should have been done. But, <laughs> Squirtle, with Squirtle, there you go. Exactly, Squirtle as the star would have been great. But I'll tell you a quick little fu- uh, side story to the to the first movie. When when we we released the first movie and it became such a huge success, I was actually on tour uh, with my band with um with uh with Peter Frampton and uh and as an independent band. Um, no one would play our music on the radio because the rules were so like, no, no, if you're not, you know, you're not signed or whatever, we, you know, and we've got our advertisers, they want to hear a certain thing. It's like, well, okay. But they kept calling me to go on their radio shows as the voices of Pokemon. Because they couldn't find anybody else either. <laughs> they were like, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like we were, you know, on the, the cover of you know Entertainment Tonight magazine or something like that. Like people were like, who does who are these guys? So um, I made it very clear who I was and how to find me. And so I kind of worked it out that during that entire summer, if they wanted an interview with me, they had to play my music on their station. And uh, 
can I tell you that it worked? <laughs> That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. <laughs> but, yep. Yeah, I can remember. I can remember my guitar player waking up in the hotel at like six thirty for morning time radio one one morning, le- rolling over and going, "Dude, I just had the craziest dream that you were <laughs> voices and what's all." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, just go back to sleep." <laughs> Brilliant. Um, how did it feel? In the second season of Pokemon with no Brock, but James still being a key member of the show, was it, was there any sort of different dynamics? Yeah, it was weird. I mean, when they brought Tracy in, um, you know, it, first we start to you, you try to question like the, the the rationale behind it. Like you go, well, why would they take a big character like that and 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 have him leave? And it almost goes to the same thing of like a, a television programming um, where. At Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, you've got your favorite show. And everybody's watching Wednesday night at 8. The ratings are through the roof for that show. It's fantastic. And all of a sudden, they're like, and now, new time. We're going to put it on it Sunday at 6 a.m. You're like, why, why would you do that? <laughs> oh, oh, because we've already got our audience Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock now. So we'll move that very popular show over there. And, and they'll pull some people. But now, because we want we want to put a new show on in that time and see if we can get them to like that too. So it was the same thing with like Brock. It was like, all right, kids love Brock. Brock, oh, Brock's one of their favorites. We actually did a survey and found out that Brock was one of the favorite characters on the show. So we're going to have him leave for a little while and put another character in because we want to do the same thing. We want to groom another character so that they would be, that that would become another one of their favorites. And we're going, you guys are crazy. Like, (laughs) this doesn't make any, like maybe in Japan, that's a really good plan, but like, I can't tell you how much Tracy hate mail we got, <laughs> you know. And I felt bad because the guy that was doing the voice is a really good buddy of mine, and he's and he's very very talented. And and he was like, "Why am I playing this role that people hate?" He said, "Terror, who 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 comes up with a guy that just draws?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but but I got to say it was, you know, I, I would go in there um, and there'd be a certain amount of time that I'd work every week. And uh, it definitely lightened the workload to only have to do half of what I normally did. Um, and sometimes there'd be episodes where Team Rocket wasn't even there or they'd have a very, very small role. And so, yeah, it was the second season was a little weird. Um, it, it definitely freed up a little more time. Okay. Um, did you enjoy the transition from voice actor to voice director, and what challenges did you face? Um, well, I, I'd actually been doing uh, voice directing for commercials before I was really doing uh, animation voice acting, and then that led to self-directing, which led to being hired as a director. Um, I enjoy, I mean, I, the, the, you know, the, both things are very, very fulfilling. I mean, if you... Um, you know, if you're a little bit of a control freak like I am, to be a, to be a director, you have the freedom to really see the whole picture and shape it and and then see what it, you know, it's like cooking the whole meal and saying, look, there it is. I presented it. Whereas if you're the voice actor, sometimes you just walk in there, you read your 10 or 15 lines and you have no idea what the story is. You don't know if you'll, you'll ever see that episode, um, you know, which lines the director is going to use, which takes they're going to use. Um, so it's a little bit more of putting the trust into the, in someone else, which is not what I normally do in my life anyway. So, 
Um, the directing, I've got to say, is probably uh, if you were to ask, you know, which I'm, I, I, I do better. I'd say I'm a, a, a really good voice actor, but I think I'm an excellent director. I think that that's really where uh, my strength has 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 uh, really become my craft. I really I understand that so well. Okay, nice one. Um, how did it feel? When four kids let the licensing uh, agreement expire in 2006, um, and did this let you go and explore other opportunities such as your band? Well, you know, it was disappointing, and I don't think it was so much that they let it go. I mean, without getting to the deep politics of the whole thing, um, you know, at the end of the day, the answer to most questions is money. That's what it is. Um, if you can find some place that can do it cheaper, sometimes people do that, but then you get what you pay for. And, and I think, I think that that's really the situation there. Um, the unfortunate side was, you know, uh, our allegiance and stuff like that. I mean, you know, four kids kept us busy. I was an employee of four kids. You know, I, you know, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna freak out about not working on Pokemon anymore when I was a very, very well paid director. You know, I, I had a good job. Well, you know, uh, I, I wish I made that much money as a voice actor the way I was paid as a director. So, um, you know, it was unfortunate because I really enjoyed working on the show. But, you know, hey, I was there for 10 years on that show. Um, to me, that show really ended when when the, when they stopped doing it. So, yeah. um, you know, I mean, and good luck to whoever's working on it now. I mean, you know, I really I don't have any animosity towards it. It's. It, it is what it is. It's like uh, Bewitched when they replaced Darren. You know, um, uh, there's a real reference for you guys. You can go look that up on YouTube. Uh, oh, I know what I know what Bewitched is. <laughs> the wiggling nose, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I had a big crush on Elizabeth Montgomery. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, but you know what 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 it did do. I mean, I always wanted to. Um, really just pursue music i mean that's really been my dream and but and but i've also been smart about it i've I've always worked in other fields so that i had the freedom to do things um you know when i went out on tour with ringo star my contract basically said uh payment was maximum exposure um so uh you know i, I wasn't you know the, the opportunity was the payment and you know if i hadn't had a way to make money and and to you know stash some away i'd never be able to pay for that you know putting myself on tour um mm-hmm. and what would i have done said no i can't do that so um what this gave me the opportunity to do was you know slowly make that move towards making the bigger move which is me leaving new york and moving down to nashville and really focusing on being a singer songwriter so uh it, maybe that was the first little push of saying okay well now that you're not tied to working on this huge show every week every you know day after day um maybe this is a message that all right you can you, it's time to go you can do it Okay, um, Eric Stewart is not only a talented voice actor slash director, but as you just explained, your passion is also music, specifically with your own band. Is being a musician all you expected it to be? Um, it's probably uh, it, it, it's probably a lot tougher um, uh, as as a musician for me than it is uh, as a voice actor. If I don't get a voice acting job and uh, or I, you know, I, that, that's always been a, a gig for me. That's always been, you know, if I don't get an audition, okay, there'll be another one there. Or if they don't like my voice work on that, you know, and I, and I work on a different show, fine. People don't like, uh, oh, I hate that character you did. All right, you know, whatever. I didn't write the words he said. It's not as personal. 
yes, it's my voice, and yes, it's my ability, but it's not as personal. But as a songwriter, as a singer-songwriter, it's like every one of those things, you know, it, they're, 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 they're creations from, from me, from my soul, uh, and, and the, the, uh, I, I guess we'll call them the gatekeepers, um, that sort of make the choices of what, you know, what's allowed to filter through to the public and, 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 and what's not. Um, it's kind of unfortunate. And I, and I really feel like it's, that's the part where you can get frustrated because you feel like, Hey man, this is a fantastic song I've written or this is a great new record I've got. And, you know, then you see what's popular and you, or what's, what's allowed to be popular and you go, wow, man, I, I don't get it. Like that, that's where you start to start, sort of self doubt. So it can, it can, it can definitely be a burden. But the other side of it is, um, you know, there's nothing to me. Uh, I just played a little show the other day, an acoustic show to a very small audience. And I played a song that's on, on the new record called, um, Falls on Me, which is about basically about a man cheating on his wife and, um, and not even asking for forgiveness, but just saying, I'm owning this. I, I know this is what I've done. And, uh, I know you don't want to take me back, but I'm at least going to admit that this is, this is my fault. And it's a, you know, it's a heavy song. And this young woman came up to me crying after the show and said, you know, your songs are so amazing, but when you sang that song, you basically sang my song. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and as a songwriter, I said, look, I said, don't take this the wrong way, but, um, that's my my goal is to is to reach you emotionally is to is to either make you happy or make you sad or make you think of yourself in that position and um, that's much much more fulfilling to me than than any of the other stuff that I do in my crazy wacky world. So. <laughs> Definitely. Um, obviously, we mentioned just a wee moment ago. You'd said uh, you've been with the likes of Ringo Starr, but you've also went on tour with the likes of Leonard Skinner, Jethro Tull, and Chicago. Um, was there any one of those that was most memorable to you? Um, well, I've got to say, working with a Beatle was probably um, the the biggest thing, the biggest thrill for me. Um, I, uh, you know, you 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 play the clubs of of New York, and you're and you're sort of you know you know pounding the pavement with that sort of stuff, and and then you get a phone call that says, "Hey, man, um, you know Ringo wants you to open his tour," and it's it's like it's almost surreal and. Um, you know, that whole tour was filled with classic rock heroes. I mean, his all-star band was Peter Frampton, Jack Bruce from Cream, um, Simon Kirk from Bad Company, Gary Brooker from Procol Harum, and, um, and, and, uh, and of course Ringo. Um, and I, I gotta say, it was like, these were the guys I grew up listening to. These were the guys that, that, that influenced what I did. And they were very, very kind to me. And I got to share the stage with them, uh, every night for that summer. And it was just, it was really, really cool. I mean, each one of the tours have their special moments. And that's what, of course, led to my relationship with working with, with Frampton, um, who, you know, who really took me under his wing. And, and, and that was kind of like traveling with your cool uncle. I mean, he was just so, such a good guy to us, to me, to the band. Um, and we did two summer tours with him and, um, that, it was great because I got to take the guys out on that. The Ringo tour was me solo, but, uh, with Frampton, I got to take the full band out with me. So that was really like, you know, my 15 minutes of pretending we were rock stars. It was really <laughs> cool. Um, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I, uh, you know, 
it's it's I've I've had so many strange things uh, as as careers. Um, you know, here I am working on Pokemon, or you know, here I am going on tour with Ringo Starr, and it's like these are things that you go, well, that's the same guy. Like what you know, I feel very very blessed that I've had the opportunity to get my foot in that door. Um, and then you feel kind of proud of yourself that okay, well, I can also walk the walk. Like I I I I didn't just get in there and then fail. Like you know, I I actually. Did a good job, I thought, and uh, and and impressed the people that you know. Those are the people you want to impress. The fans, yeah. yeah if you can win the fans over, that's great. But when when Ringo, you know, says to me, "You got a great voice. I love your songs." You go, "Okay, that's cool." Like you, know, <laughs> you know, that's just that's just great. So yeah, it was a blast. Uh, speaking of Ringo, obviously Ringo's a musician. You are. You're a voice actor. But Ringo has also done voice acting in Thomas the Tank Engine. Yep. Did you actually hear any of his work on that? And what did you think of it? I did. I thought it was great. And even before he did that, of course, you know, he's got Yellow Submarine, where they're all animated as well, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. um, no, you know, I mean, Ringo, you know, I mean, Ringo's got those so normal, uh, you know, noticeable voice. You'll you'll recognize him anywhere. And it's like it's like and like I I feel like that's perfect for cartoons he should do more cartoons i actually tried to get frampton to do more voiceover work um because he's also got such a great you know style you know look you, once again i mean I, I we won't say that ringo was the best singer in the beatles but he could sing and anybody who's semi-musical is going to have a, a good is going to have a much better uh chance at doing your uh at, at making that uh, leap into voice acting but i thought ringo did a great job with that Cool. If there was one of your songs that you wanted the people who are fans of your voice acting work to listen to, what would it be and why? Hmm. Uh, let's see. Um, All of them. <laughs> yes, a good answer. Um, you know, uh, there, there's a song. There's a song that's on uh, that's on my MySpace page that I kind of kick things off with a lot. It's called One Good Reason, um, and that's a song that is on the record that Frampton produced for us. Uh, and and what was kind of neat about that song was I wrote that while I was out on the road with um with Leonard Skinnerd. I um um Paul Rogers from Bad Company was also on that tour. Um and when I would sound check, I would sound check right after uh Paul Rogers band would sound check. And Paul usually wasn't out there for them. It was just the band setting up. And I remember one afternoon, it was time for me to sound check and their band was still just hanging out on the stage. And I got up there and I started playing that song that I was, that I had just written basically, you know, like the day before, um, in soundcheck. And all of a sudden, there, uh, Paul's band started to back me up. They started to jam with me on it. And it, and it became a kind of a regular thing. Like for the next three or four days, I'd get up to soundcheck and they'd wait for me to soundcheck and we'd rock that song. And of course, being the smart guy that I was, I quickly ran a, 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 a dad of it so that I could have something to play back. Um, and so I had that song, uh, you know, sketched out. And then, um, when we, when we went to go do the record and, uh, I played the rough, you know, for Peter and stuff like that, he's like, Oh, this is, this is going to be a great song. And, uh, it just, it's just one of those things where it evolved into, uh, you know, fr from from being on the road, writing something on the road, you know, the organic thing of it forming with with very talented musicians that just sort of fell into place around you, and then putting it on a record that Peter Frampton produced. Um, I'm very proud of it. I'm really proud of the band that's on that record. 
And uh, and my vocal style on that, I think people will go, wow, I didn't realize he could sing. I didn't know that Brock actually had a, a singing voice. So <laughs> it's it's pretty cool. So that's the one to check out, one good reason. Okay. Um, if you could lend your vocal talents to any cartoon character, past or present, who would it be and why that choice? Hmm. Well... I think we have to say this is this is the two-part answer. If it was if it was uh, historical and, and and comedic, I'd have to say the great Bugs Bunny. I think that uh, I think. <laughs> Sorry, Alan's just going. Told you, I told you he'd say a legend's character. Uh, uh, I mean, Bugs Bunny to me is is not only uh, one of the the greatest cartoon characters of all time. Um, very funny, but you know some of the underlying uh, uh, things that are going on, especially you know when there are a lot of episodes of Bugs Bunny that have never that, well have aired, but we didn't get to see them as kids because they were never re-aired because of the political side of it. I mean, there's a lot of propaganda that's involved in that. Um, yeah. But I think that Bugs Bunny, um, he's just great. I mean, you know, uh, such a great range. I mean, Mel Blanc was the king. He was the <laughs> king. I, you know, um, I wish I'd had a chance to uh, work alongside Mel or even been in the booth when or in the room when he was in the booth. I just think that Bugs Bunny would be the choice. And then I've got to say my, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a geek when it comes to Batman. Um, I've got, I've got a little collection. Uh, my car is called the Batmobile. I've got Batman, uh, uh, floor mats and a mask in the back that rides in the back window. And it's kind of goofy and I get mocked a lot about it. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I think that I would l- have loved to have played Batman, um, in any cartoon form. Uh, even as old, far back as uh, the you know Justice League of America, um, I would have loved to have played Batman in any form. Awesome. Um, what does the future hold for Eric Stewart, and what would you like to say to your fans? Well, you know, I'm I'm still working on some some voice stuff, uh, cartoon wise. I know that uh, you know someone said to me that well, now that you're retired, I'm like I wish I was retired. <laughs> I'm really I'm really not that old. I'm I'm you know I, I might walk with a little limp, but I'm really not that old. But um, I uh I you know I'm working on a couple of things. I mean, now that I'm down here in Nashville, I I really you know I I made a a, a real choice that um my my days were so jammed filled with stuff and it's great to be busy but you know at the end of the day when you're you come home to your family and it's 10 11 o'clock at night and your kids are already asleep in bed and you know you've got to you've got to look at your schedule to book time to actually have dinner with your wife um that's really not the quality of life that I wanted so stepping away from that has really given me a lot more free time to work on music. Um, uh, you know, I've just released a new record called Falls on Me, um, which I produced here in my home studio, which I'm very excited about doing something on my own like that soup to nuts. Um, but I'm also working on, you know, I still do voice work. Um, I'm, you know, I'm still doing promo stuff. I'm still doing commercial stuff. I'm working on a top secret new cartoon project as well, which I can't talk about, um, that I might be doing from here. Um, so, you know, it's, you'll, you'll still hear my voice doing that, you know, hopefully doing some characters that you guys love. And, and, you know, you might, if you're doing, if you're going to any of these conventions, you know, in the States, you, you might bump into me. And of course, I'll sign anything you need signed. But, um, it, you know, I think, I think you're going to see, it's going to be pretty much 75% music for me and 25% voiceover work right now. I'm also doing some audiobooks, you know, where I'm not doing so much character stuff, but more just 
me talking like me. Um, so you can actually just be bored to tears if, you know, <laughs> hours and hours of me. You'd be like, I don't just call him. I don't need to hear him read this book. Um, but, um, that's pretty much, you know, that, that's the thing. And, and I asked the fans to, to, you know, I always sign stuff. I send people send me things. I, you know, I know there's a lot of voice actors that charge for all this stuff and that's how they make their living. I'm always flattered if people want my autograph. I'm always flattered if people send me stuff and say, Hey, you know, this is my favorite character. I want to add it to my collection and stuff like that. All I ever ask is do me a favor. Just check out my music. And if you like it, you know, pick up a CD or download a song from iTunes or something like that because that little bit of help for me means that I can continue doing what I love to do and that means more to me than anything so I'm not saying buy my CD or I won't sign it <laughs> I'm just saying you know do me the favor and say you know man I, I you know I liked you because you did all those cool voices but I started listening to your music and you know now I'm really a fan of your music too and that that means a lot to me so that's all I ask Brilliant. Well, we'll we'll certainly do that, and then at the end of the show, we'll um, have like one of your songs, so people can get a, a brief glimpse of um, what your music's like. And obviously, we'll have all your website and stuff, which we'll let you promote now. Um, so, if Eric Stewart was to be summed up in one quote, what would it be? And obviously, give us all your details for your website and where people can purchase your music and stuff, sir. Sure. I would say that the 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 quote that I use all the time now is. Uh, do what you love, love what you do. Um, and uh, those are words to live by. I can't tell you how important they are to me now. Um, and if you want to, uh, let's see, if you go to iTunes and you just search Eric Stewart Band, and for those of you who don't know the Scottish spelling of Stewart, S-T-U-A-R-T, um, uh, that's that's how we spell it here. Um, just it's uh, ericstewart.com. Is, uh, it, you can also order it directly from me if you want a hard copy CD. Uh, and if you write a nice little note to me when you order it from that site, I will sign it um, or sign it for a friend or whatever. Um, and, you know, obviously before MySpace drops down to like two or three people, um, <laughs> I still have a MySpace page which has you can listen to the music there uh, so that you can even get a better sense of what I do. Uh, you know, just uh, MySpace uh, slash Eric Stewart. Um and that's really that's it. I'm on Facebook. If you want to friend me too, um, I've got a lot of fans on there, and keep them posted on when I'm playing concerts and things like that, or when I'm showing up on at cons. So there you go. Okay, that's super, Eric. Thank you so much for coming on. It's absolutely been that uh, 45 minutes is just flowing in. It's been so fun. Uh, if you could see the smiles that Alan and I have had in our faces during the whole time. Um, it's just been great to sit down and talk with you so um, best of luck with the Eric Stewart Band and uh, all your future endeavours as the WWE likes to say mm-hmm. um, just thank you so much for coming on we really appreciate it and um, stay on the line um, we're going to come back after the break so join us after the break whenever we'll be talking about Pokemon Series 2 of the anime Hey everybody this is James Sawyer otherwise known as Sala if you're a fan of the live action Masters of the Universe film like I am then head to motumovie.com. That's M-O-T-U movie.com. It's your hub for all things related to the 1987 film. We've got some great stuff on here like photos of the props, interviews with the creators, storyboard comparisons, and much more. Once you're done there, head over to facebook.com slash mastersuniversemovie and join in the discussions about the film. Hello, Al. It's Chris Vent here. You know your co-host in Operation Retroshock and Shock. Yeah, I just wanted to do this just to wish you a very happy birthday. Um, it's always a pleasure to sit down and record an episode of Shock or Operation Retroshock with yourselves. 
with yourselves, yourself even, because uh, it's only just you and me. Uh, yeah, so obviously last year we had Larry Kenny, this year we've had Eric Stewart, as I said to you, I don't know who, who we're going to get the top next year, so, you know, we may have somebody like somebody from Carnation Street or something, perhaps, who knows. But um, just thanks for being such an awesome co-host, thanks for being an awesome friend, and most of all, uh, thanks for letting me talk to Eric Stewart and Larry Kenny, even though I set them up. So I demand something special for my birthday. Anyway, on with the rest of Operation Retroshock. Happy birthday, Alan! Yay! You're listening to a podcast on PopCultureNetwork.com. Be sure to head on over to the site at www.popculturenetwork.com to check out more podcasts and videos featuring toys, comic books, video games, and all the things you love. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Pop Culture Network store, where everything you purchase helps to keep us producing. Just head over to popculturenetwork.com and click on store. So you want to be a master of? Do you have the skills to be? I want to take the ultimate step Find the courage to this bow To risk it all and not forget The lessons that I owe I want to go where no one's been Far beyond the ground Learn the way to take command The power that's in my hand We all live in a Pokemon world So Alan, did you have fun in your birthday show? Like, obviously this is going to be another birthday show wherever you're able to say, on my birthday last year I talked to Larry Kenny, and near enough on my birthday this year I got to talk to Eric Stewart. Who do you get to talk to, Chris, on your birthday? Alan. (laughs) (laughs) It was super happy fun times. Had by all, I think. You enjoyed yourself, didn't you? Yes. Well, of course, did. I love, no matter who they are, I love talking to voice actors. It's always been, um, not, not a goal of mine, but it's always been something like whenever I did, whenever I also saw Massive Universe Chronicles. Um, I don't know what that is. I don't know what he is. <laughs> um, obviously, I've really wanted to talk to voice actors there, but it's just been class to then talk to Larry Kenny, who was just so funny, and Eric Stewart was just, you know, can't really say enough about Eric Stewart to be honest with you oh yeah definitely so it's just great to talk to him and stuff but um, yeah so we're back now to talk about uh, as we said earlier on some of the work that um, Mr Stewart did which is to do with Pokemon Anime Season 2 take it away Albert Alan Uh, (laughs) and first point hitting it right off the bat is in fact in Pokemon Season 2 we see the departure of Brock. Sad times. Yes, very early in the season. And <laughs> he is replaced with, and I am not going to read... Uh, <laughs> Why not? Chris you have Sims. to read these word for word. That is part of you Fine. being... As part of you being um, your birthday, you have to read these word for word. What does it say? So we see the departure of Brock early in the season, and he is replaced with 
Tracy sketch my ass. <laughs> Did we miss Brock in this season? Obviously what Chris meant to say, he's not a very good blind typer, what he meant to say there was Brock was in fact replaced with Tracy Sketchit, something that we hear our good friend Eric Stewart talk about there earlier in the show. Um, did we miss Brock in this season? I miss Mr. Flair. No. I didn't like Tracy. I was like, oh, a Pokemon. I need to draw this. Shut up. I'm a Pokemon doodler. That's what effect. Effectively, that's what he is. A Pokemon doodler. He's not a Pokemon watcher because that just sounds wrong. Mm-hmm. So it does. So you're, he's. You should, just, you should just say Pokemon perv. No, well, I wouldn't go that far. It failed. But Alan Price at 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 PopCultureNetwork dot. Uh, don't ever contact me with hitmail dot com. Make sure you put in the subject hitmail if you just write hi. I'll not read it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but no, I didn't like Tracy at all. Um, I, I don't know what it was. Um, I think, I think it's a case of again. Obviously, the way we've spoke about the game. I preferred the other fella, um, the photographer guy, Snap. Todd. I don't know, Snap. But he wasn't really a full. I know, but I'm. Companion. I'm just saying, I preferred him, Alan, because he had some fine. purpose. It's fine, but what I, what I'm going to say is, I think the reason Tracy, yes, Tracy has his fans, but <laughs> all um, <laughs> too often, and it's not us two. Um, <laughs> is that with the original 150 Pokemon we've mentioned in the games of you love the original 150 Pokemon because that's what got you into Pokemon that's what you enjoyed when you first yeah. played it I think it's the same here in that Pokemon will always be at its most enjoyable for most people when you had your original trio with Ash Misty Black. this is an effect of like if you have a Mario game and you have say like um Mario Kart, right? You have you have Mario, Luigi, Princess Toad. This is like you taking Luigi out of the equation and then putting in Mr. Game of Watch. Yeah. They're you know, it's Nintendo, but with it's Nintendo, but it's a case of you're like where's you're Luigi? Like, yeah, exactly. He's Mario's brother. He yeah. has to be there. It's the Game you know, of Watch. Um, and it's the same here. Is Brock? was an integral part of the original team which got so many people not only into the games but simply just the world of Pokemon so to see him again due to a love interest um, so to say just say guys you don't need me anymore these people need me more off you go continue on your journey just you and Misty um, it seemed a bit odd and obviously we find out that the case was that they thought that people wouldn't, after the first season, people wouldn't identify with Brock and he would be one of the least loved characters. I think Except Brock... Because, and it's, it's, you have to say it, it was believed because of the colour of his skin, most people would not relate to that character. I think Brock, though, is kind of, you know, like, obviously... This three of them are quite young but Brock is almost like the father of that he's you know, like, mature he's a yeah, couple of years like, yes, um, he's completely infatuated and goes severely immature around the ladies but when it comes to everything else yeah it's just a case of you know they'll say they'll say something and then Brock will say oh Ash needs to bring out a different Pokemon because mm-hmm. this here you know like he's like the voice of reason so to yeah. speak um, so I think that's why 
Brock was, was taken out and then um, Tracy was put in and it's kind of a case of I don't think it fitted the dynamic yeah, of he Ash was very much if you were to look at the levels of age like Misty and Ash very similar age bracket Brock was a couple of years older than them whereas I'm not sure whether it's ever really mentioned it's not something I've paid much attention to Tracy would make me think he's a very yes he's a lot taller than them so he must be older but not as much as Brock no he by no way is his character anywhere near the level of when it comes to analysing things and saying things that are important on Brock's level um he just does seem that bit more immature on a whole mm-hmm. than the character of Brock and it's annoying that they thought simply by the colour of his skin and the fact that he actually ha- he has closed eyes which is very a common thing with anime and that that the western audience of America of Europe of whatever would not identify and not like the character when in fact it actually turned out to be the exact opposite yeah I think once you take off a main, a main character in fold, especially after the most important, th- you know, the important, the most important thing a show goes through, their first season, and he is the integ- one of the three integral characters that helps the people get into that show. So then all of a sudden, just yank him out right at the start of the second season. Yeah, again, again, you know, like. Uh, put it back to the Mario Luigi but I'm going to go different route this time and say what if Hannibal B.A. face mm-hmm. like B.A. out you come because of the colour of your skin Yeah, it wouldn't be done in live action so I don't know thankfully he comes back into it because I think it as you said you know like he's a very important part of the Pokemon fraternity um, so it was good to have him back but obviously luckily enough even though Brock does indeed leave here we as you will know, do not lose the incredible voice acting of Eric Stewart because he does indeed play James. Um, next, and again, word for word, Ash gets his ball and goes home. Wait. He gets a GS ball from Professor Oak, actually. <laughs> you said Ivy? No, actually, sorry, tell a lie, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> tell a lie, I'm joking. What? Leave me alone. He gets a GS ball, which obviously you look at, and it has an obvious. It's meant to have an obvious link to what will eventually come out, which is gold and silver. Oh, um, really? Yeah. But we actually never find out what the hell is in this ball, what it does, anything. It is in fact a pointless story arc. It was basically the main reason that Ash was sent to the Orange Islands it was Professor Oak needs to again as usual do some analysis do some investigating all that sort of stuff it's like there's a special thing look I want to analyse it would you mind doing the errand and blah 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 and it, he carries it and carries it and carries it and eventually it disappears without all knowledge there's no answers as to what's in it everybody initially thought right because there's the link back to the fact that Obviously, we've said in a previous episode, in episode 30, that, you know, about seeing next generation Pokemon in the first movie. Yes, we know, obviously, that there was a unknown 
bird flying in Ash's ep- first episode, which eventually we find out was oh, but not until later. Um, some people thought because it had the letters GS, gold and silver, it was in reference to the games. So maybe it in fact contained this Pokemon or something like that. But you just never find out, and it's a bit annoying because obviously you recently went back and started watching it again. Mm-hmm. And to you trying to come back into it, it's like, right, okay, this must be important, and then what? It does Obviously, whenever he goes to meet um, Kurt, who makes him his Pokeball, you know, to do with the apricot thing. Even Kurt doesn't know. Kurt says something about it, but then that's about the height of its mention. You don't hear it done anymore. Professor Oak gets it back, but it's never a case of, oh, Professor, remember the way I went and got you that ball and stuff? And well, actually, what's, what's in it? Did you what's find? in it? Oh, we're still doing some examinations. Well, or even, if, even if it's a case of... They were thinking, they were trying to leave it and leave it and leave it and build up to something that they would eventually reveal. Maybe not the next Maybe thing. in a movie or whatever. Movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, even if the way obviously we see at different points throughout the seasons, Ash is on the actual telephone um, to Oak when sometimes Oak requests a Pokemon back or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and then you just see Muck. He just me- he mentions, by the way, Professor, any advance on the GAS ball? Yeah. And he just turns around and says, oh, we're maybe, you know, we're thinking we're getting there, but we're not there just quite yet, leave it with us. And yeah. So on, but it does, it just ends up being a point of the story arc, and it's a bit annoying because it was built up and bigged up. Look at this, it's amazing. But, ah, well. <laughs> Next point. I'm not reading this word for word, Chris. Um, there is an orange crew in the season. Instead of having, we had in the first season, we had the Indigo League. I don't understand why you can read that. Because you're just being an idiot. Um, we had the Indigo League, in the, where Ash had to go around, beat eight gym leaders, got his badges, went to the Indigo Plateau, and took part in a knockout tournament to become the champion of Kanto, which he doesn't win. Neither does Gary. We never actually find out who does in fact win. We just know it's not anybody we in fact know. Though it's different in the Orange Islands. They're called the Orange Crew. It consists of four gym leaders who not only partake in battles, they can also ask you to take part in a challenge. Was there a favourite contest or challenge from a particular gym leader that you liked and thought, that's pretty cool and different, it's nice that it isn't just a, let's have a battle and Ash maybe loses, comes back and wins, or Ash wins outright? Um, well, we were talking about this the other day and we could only recall two of them. Um, so well, we, went, we went and found out the other ones. And yeah, and right then even then I was just like, Oh. It was the two we remembered were, in fact, the ones we enjoyed. Yeah. Um, so the one I enjoyed was the one where for I can't remember the guy's name. Um, the one to do where they make the like the canoe. Yes. Yeah. Um, so like Charizard's like going loafing about, not listening to Ash, and then breathes fire, and then that helps make it. So then he there's like three different parts. There's like that, and then there's um, something else, and then the last one's like racing down the slope. So he puts like Bulbasaur and Squirtle and Pikachu yeah. in his team. Yeah, so yeah, I I enjoyed that one. I thought it was um, different and 
<laughs> fun to see. And the one I enjoyed of the two was the other one was the first uh, gem battle that Ash challenges is there's a part where the leader has a Blastoise and obviously at this stage Ash has got Lapras and uh, the challenge is obviously part of the challenge is Arias and Ash chooses Lapras she chooses Blastoise and they're racing back towards the finish and it's you know pretty it looks like maybe she's going to win and all that sort of stuff and Ash orders Lapras to use Ice Beam and then it shoots and slides along the ice and allows Ash to win I thought that was pretty cool yeah Um, so those are the two that stand out for us Um, what addition Pokemon wise in this season the addition to our inverted commas heroes team did we enjoy the most there were a couple of Pokemon that our heroes in fact got Ash gained two Pokemon that being Lapras and Snorlax Tracy gets a Scyther and Misty gets a Poliwag (laughs) Scyther even though I don't like Tracy I like uh, Scyther he's one of the my favourite Pokemon even though like um, it's all, it seems to be that in these cartoons the grass Pokemon get well and truly shoved aside mm. as is the rock ones unless it's like one of the starter Pokemon like um, Chikorita or Bulbasaur, Bul- yeah. Bulbasaur but Scyther just like every time he sends it out to do something it's just like oh Scyther return. Scyther gets really tired really quickly. Yeah, exactly. But I just like the premise of how he looks and stuff. Mm. Um, I just like that. And the other one would... Who else did Ash get? Snorlax and... Lapras? Yeah, Lapras was a, a good one. Um, I, I like the one, the episode where for the Lapras have been... You know, they're all in the school. Yeah. Not literally, like, sitting down with pens and paper and whatever. But they're all in the school on the sea and then his Lapras goes near them but because of the humans and then they kind of save them yeah um, from the tentacles and the pirates um I like that so I'd probably say that was too I wasn't really a fan of Poliwag mm-hmm. um Scyther is always one that stands out it's as we've said we enjoy it and like to have it in the game um it's just a shame it ends up with Tracy um <laughs> it would have been pretty cool to see Ash you know how he would handle a scyther, but obviously he already has Bulbasaur. So to get a bug, you know, sort of grassy Pokemon is kind of it wouldn't have fitted in the team, um, because obviously Bulbasaur is a key member of Ash's team at this point. Um, Lapras is also a very good one because obviously Lapras is pretty much your key plot point. They're going around these islands. They need a Pokemon big enough to carry them all about. What's your Pokemon that'll suit? Lapras, go with that. Um, but Lapras has a you know cool wee character cut to it because we actually find out in fact that it's a baby and isn't a fully grown Lapras. So it's kind of like Ash is looking after it and like you know because obviously it got separated from its family and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's caring about it. Snorlax is pretty cool in the sense of because his entrance is he's going around and he's like chomping all these people's apples on the different islands and swimming about. <laughs> That's and right. All, so he gets a hell of an entrance. Poliwag is kind of the oh right there we go. Misty finally gets a new Pokemon. That's cool, but it's just a shame it's a Poliwag. Um, 
it eventually does go and involve in all four. Um, but on to our next point, which neatly links to Poliwag and one of its evolutions. Um, finally, in this season, Charizard, after being disobedient to Ash for so, so long, in fact, finally listens and starts to listen to Ash after the Ash has a battle with another trainer who has a Poliwrath, and the Poliwrath causes something kind of similar from Charizard's past, um, where when it was a Charmander, obviously Ash looked after it because it had been in the rain and its flame was going out and would have died. Um, Poliwrath, in fact, freezes Charizard, and Ash looks after it and warms up and tries to get it back to full health and basically Ash falls asleep at night and he's lying up against Charizard wakes up in the morning oh Charizard's up and about Mm -hmm. and basically that makes Charizard remember oh he actually he really cares about me and remembers when he was a Charmander and finally yes he still flamethrowers Ash but he finally realises he's actually a decent guy and I'll obey him did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did. I thought it, I thought it was a neat episode. Um, the fact that that's kind of one of the only Pokemon that Ash had had at that time that whenever he asked it to do something, it wouldn't do it. Mm. You know, whereas all the other ones would be like really obedient. Um, I did like the fact that then, um, I think it was him and Pikachu um, were doing something and you know one of, um, one, of the gym, one of the gym battles later on the Orange League is this you're talking about it must be yeah whenever they like work as a team yeah and he's like it's my job to do it then like stomps Pikachu out the way and all uh, yeah there is there is that but there was one where for the I can't remember what episode it was but like um, Pikachu's on Charizard oh, Charizard's back yes. yeah you know that kind of thing but I do like the fact then whenever he brings it out obviously Charizard's still pretty badass but whenever Ash says to do something you know like, and then later on and I think it's season 3 whenever Ash gets to um, fly on Charizard mm. um, and they said you know he then like he has with all his great Pokemon he, he like leaves it somewhere and says I'll come back for you and like runs off but um, and they say that he's the strongest one because every time he was in trouble it'd be like right go Charizard yeah you know so um, it is a good restory because it's kind of a payoff for those who have been watching since the beginning because you've seen the fact that you know, Ash cared for Charmander and Charmander eventually evolved into Charmeleon and then started becoming disobedient and after all these episodes and the persistence of Ash, because Ash still, you know, it was up until this point, insisted on using Charizard just in the sheer hope that one time he would listen to him. Yeah. And obviously it was to his demise back in Season 1 in the Pokemon League, it, you know, because Charizard didn't listen on it, you know, caused Charizard to be eliminated and all that sort of thing. So for it to finally get to the point where Charizard is obeying Ash is your payoff and it's like that's pretty cool because obviously it's one of the, you know Charmander's one of the original three star Pokemon so if you played the games it's like cool he's finally got a fully evolved one of the starter Pokemon that is a bay in him yeah um, and it's it's a case of it's built up and it's like this is the strongest Pokemon that finally has control of it right this is in the history of the show 
one of only two in inverted commas leagues that Ash actually wins. Is this the making of a Pokemon Master or a Pokemon Disaster Master? So how many leagues and stuff does he actually enter into? Well, if you think we're in about, if I remember correctly, up to about 13-odd seasons of this show. Mm-hmm. So there's probably been... It's the same as well. It's the same as the games, effectively. So you've, you're talking, you've had Gen 1, Gen 2. You're up to about... You've had... You've had your red, so there's one. You've had your silver, there's two. You've had your ruby sapphire. You've had your diamond and pearl. You've had your black and white. So, and he's also done the battle frontier and the orange islands. So you're talking there's at least seven different things he has been involved in. That's terrible. You know. That's terrible. So it is. That's like you. That's like you playing the game and then only getting two out of your badges. Yeah. That's effectively what that Obviously is. Obviously, he goes and he gets all the badges, which is a good achievement, but then he just doesn't win. You know, Ash is built up as like, yes, he's a very good trainer, and he has to need to be brought down yeah, every but while. Yeah, then but it's safe to say that anyone, any individual who's played the Pokemon games would have caught more Pokemon than Ash did. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's, there's, we say that in Season 2, he gets two new Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So that's in how many episodes? 80, 60, 50, 40? 30 to 40. 30 to 40. So that's one every 15 episodes. For sure the prides itself on the motto, gotta catch them all. Yeah, gotta catch them all. Yeah, because normally it's like, what's that? I just like, you know, I'll like, catch 15. Thank you, Pokemon. Okay, I'll catch it. Oh, wait, no, wait, you won't. Okay, I'll just wander on and continue. Yeah. <laughs> so, for... You need to spend 140 grand on Ultra Balls like we did. Mm-hmm. But... To win only, for this to be only one of the two things he has actually won is pretty abysmal because, to be fair, the person he beats for this league, you would expect him to win a lot more leagues afterwards considering the person he beats, but we are going to talk about that person in a couple of points time. Um, Obviously Team Rocket are still aiming for the Twerps Pikachu. Did we still enjoy them in this season? I think they were just as strong as ever. Yeah, but it's kind of a case of you can only have so much of a good thing. Say, like a Master Universe, Skeletor is heavily present in the first series. Yes. Second series, he's not in it as much. It's mainly like the henchmen and stuff. You know, like Spycore appears in like the games, and then there's Merman. will team up with Clawful or yeah. whatever. Um, so I think they could have maybe done it that why not bring Giovanni into it more mm-hmm. why not bring who were the other Team Rocket Butch, Butch and Butch Cassidy yeah well, the only thing I just had um, oh. I just had a idiotic Eureka moment you've realised who they're named after haven't you Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid Butch Cassidy yes and Jesse James was also a western Oh, oh, well done, Chris. Idiotic, realised it. Um, but the way you're saying with uh, with Skeletor and He-Man and his minions and all, Giovanni is your Skeletor. He's the leader. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like yeah, but how many henchmen going after him? But how many episodes do you see Giovanni in? And 
I know you... really CG of Amiel. How much he's in the shadows, you see his hands, you see, you know, all that Yeah, but why wouldn't you have him in the first series then mm. as, like, your arch-villain? Yeah. With Team Rocket being in every, like, say, maybe one every ten episodes, so you don't really get that much of a present from him. Then in the second series, then you go right, bang, here's Team Rocket. And then the third series, here's yeah. Butch, Ca- Butch and Cassidy, Butch Cassidy. I still think, though, they do a good job because you always have the comedy between them because, obviously, you've got Meowth, you've got James and Jesse being the guiding force, so to say, in this. Obviously, Meowth is more the one who deals with the uh, technical aspects and the mechas sort of thing. He builds all the mech you know, Mac machines, um, or orders them, as he says. He orders them through books sometimes, magazines. And James is kind of your idiot, but lovable idiot at that. Um, but I think, you know, they're as strong as they were in Season 1. But I think you're right, it would have been cool to have more of a presence of, you know, other members of Team Rocket. Yeah. It, Butch and Cassidy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been pretty sweet. Obviously, and I'll read this one word for word for Chris. Boba Fett, oops, Waba Fett, <laughs> is Team Rocket's new Pokemon after Jesse, when they're trying to cause a scam at a trading event, uh, falls over and her Pokeball with Licky Tongue goes into one side of the transfer machine and the kid who's been trying to trade his Waba Fett all day is in the other side. They trade over, and Jessie, not to her knowledge, ends up until... Well, she does, not to her knowledge until the end of the episode, ends up with a Wobbuffet. What Pokemon... Well, this is hard to say, is... Was it a good trade for them, and... Did it end up being any good, in your opinion? <laughs> Wobbuffet was more like the comedy character of it. You know, like, as you said, he only knows one move. Counter. Yeah, so that's like quite a funny part of the end of the episode that he's introduced. Um, I think it's funny, but again, it gets tiresome after so long. But yeah, it's a case of it's nearly like you say in the sense of you know could have had a wee bit more Team Rocket, you know, interaction other members of Team Rocket that they thought we want to keep the original Team Rocket because everybody likes them. But what can we do to kind of shake it up a wee bit? Yeah, and what they've done is obviously we see throughout second season that Meowth gets very jealous yes he does because Jesse kind of starts really liking Wobbuffet and obviously Wobbuffet gets involved with the motto yeah Meowth takes exception to this and all that sort of stuff Um, it's a cool Pokemon and it's caused some laughs but can get quite a bit tired. How dare you say I enjoy Asphalt 3D? You do? It's Ridge Racer. Whoops. <laughs> That's why I said I enjoy Ridge Racer. Hello, Chris Lundy. <laughs> Go buy 3DS now. <laughs> um, right. This is the individual we were talking about earlier. Was it weird seeing Lance after being such a common character in red, gold, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, blah, 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 that he actually appears here in the second season. He was the man that Ash challenged for the, or- the Orange League title. 
specifically, obviously, Lance, being a Dragon Master, had Dragonite. Was this a good addition to finally see in the show? Uh, yeah, I actually really, really enjoyed this battle because it was really to and fro. I also enjoyed um, Lapras and Gengar. Gengar's done an attack, Lapras is doing his ice beam. The two are going at it, and then there's a big ball in the middle, and you just see a big explosion. And I love the way they did like um, the, like the drawing. You know the way it's like a freeze frame, but they kind of like draw the background. Yes, 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 yes. I, it's almost like at the end of Rocky Three. To be continued. Whenever you see them in the ring and yeah. punch, and then it's all painted. Yes. I, I just really like that effect. Um, and I thought, you know, I couldn't remember anything about this. So then at the end, it's. Um, Charizard against Dragonite and then Charizard falls and then it's Pikachu and Pikachu wins and uh, it's just like it's just like oh my goodness it's just like oh well played son it's just like <laughs> level 2 Pikachu against like level 60 Dragonite uh-huh. um, but no apart from the, obviously the main the main one the main battle I love is the one where you see um, Krabby evolve into Kingler like the season just past, there, yeah. Like, yeah, I just love that. But that would be a very, very close second. Yeah, so it would be. I think having Lance here is fantastic. It's like he was so involved in the first game and the second game. You know, obviously he is the last member of the Elite Four you face in Red, and then obviously he gets involved in the storyline of Gold and Silver to do with Team Rocket and you're at um, you meet him at the lake where you capture the Red Gardos and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing he's like a genetic mutation blah 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 blah, blah. he wears a cape doesn't he he wears a cape yes he does Partway. <laughs> uh, but you see him there and now all of a sudden here he is in the anime is pretty cool obviously again this is kind of you know, in the build-up to a gold and silver, so only you know most people's experience have been just from the first game. But to look back now from having played the games and see, look here he is, he's in the NIS is pretty sweet. Um, and to go back to the kind of point I mentioned earlier with Ash only winning this, only being one of his two you know victories in a league. Um, considering Lance's position in both of those games. He is the final member of the Elite Four in the first game, and he is the champion of the second again, pretty much. You know, champion of the world. And he is the guy who pretty much gets himself involved. You're like, Ash beats him, and you're like, that is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. So if that was the game, boom, you're Pokemon League champion, mate. Yeah, good one. Um. So for then Ash to only go on in the years to come and win one other league is kind of like, right, so you beat Lance, effectively one of the best trainers in the world, and you go nowhere. Well, yes, he goes places, but it's just like, that should have got him, and I know this could be taking it slightly too serious, it should have got him national exposure and blah, 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 blah. It should have been pretty big deal. I don't think he's going to be featured in the Pokemon Chronicle album, for goodness sake. You could be surprised, Chris. You could be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, the intro music was very different from the first season. It was a lot more bite. So you want to be a master of Pokemon? What did we prefer? Did we enjoy the original, or did we enjoy the Orange Island music? 
Are we going to put the music in here and compare the two of them? Ta-da! <laughs> one did you prefer? Go to Pop Culture Network forums and type, I prefer this one. <laughs> um, yeah. They're I, I different think, to one another. Uh, yeah, and so is the Joto one. Yes. That's like, you know, really skipping along kind of music and, you know, we wink from Misty. <laughs> um, I think the first music sits well with you. You know, mm-hmm. obviously this is very much the same kind of vein as with the original Pokemon. They sit well with you with the original... Um, Pokemon music, mm-hmm. you know, I want to be the very best that no one ever was, you know, the cat Sam was all, the cat Sam is my real test, the train is my cause, yeah, you say I'm the worst, um, but I prefer that one over this one, um, I would probably go number one, three, two, right, okay, Fair I like enough. the Joe music, but I'll um, probably put that, obviously the original music has such a, you know, key importance, and it's really enjoyable, because obviously you very much enjoy its movie version, Oh yeah, if they had that all the time. You just oh, that'll do me. Uh, that'll do, pig. That'll <laughs> do. Um, I think number two is good, but it's so so different to number one that it's hard to really rank it. But I think number I th- two works well for what we see as season two. Number one was it summed it up perfectly. Ash was like, "I'm going to be a Pokemon master, be the best." Blah blah blah. Whereas Orange Islands is nearly like they're semi on holiday as they're cruising around these fancy sunny islands. So <laughs> I think as well. And all that I think the music is more bouncy, but I think it's mainly like almost like a take on of the poker rap. Because uh, you know, it, it was really really yeah. fast and that it keep, it's keeping that same momentum, you know. So yeah, but it, it works. For it's good, season. but it's just not the one for me. It's just not the one. It's just not Chris's favourite. I enjoy no. it anyway. I enjoy most Pokemon themes until some of the later ones, which are really, really bad. Yeah, I looked at the back of that because I saw the front of it and it had like Charizard and all. I went, "Oh, cool!" And then I looked in the back and his eyes look—he looks weird. <laughs> He's talking about the Chronicles DVD he got me for my birthday, by the way. He didn't just throw randomness in there. Um, oh, oh, they captured the legendary Pokemon Raikou. So that's like the dog he has to go for. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've never seen me. Well, this is from six odd years ago, apparently, as well. Goodness. Um, next point. Yep. Um, Articuno makes his debut 
in the cartoon. Uh, it's the same episode that they meet Snap again, aka Todd, from Pokemon Snap game and the original season. Um, was this a pretty cool episode not to be fantastic? Uh, no. You, did, I, you didn't enjoy it? I don't remember it. Um. I actually prefer the one with Aerodactyl in it. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, but I don't remember it. Which was the original one causing Charmeleon to evolve into Charizard, because he was like, I must fight oh, yeah. this big Egypt. Yeah, um, from the it would be that one. Um, but I don't remember the one to do with Articuno. There's one I never remember from when I originally watched the show, but from having went back and watched it all again, it's one that stands out for me, because it's... I completely forgot that... Uh, Todd came back I originally uh-huh. thought he was just first season and then never rears his head again so it was cool to see him back um, but to see Articuno in the series again it's a pretty big deal obviously he makes an appearance in the second movie um, but this is obviously before that um, so to see him in it is pretty sweet I could have preferred Zapdos to make an appearance but that's biasy <laughs> Um, Does he, the other birds actually appear in the series, or is it just him? Articuno makes a second appearance down the line. I cannot remember off the top of my head if the others do, in fact. I think. Well, Moltres kind of makes an appearance in the first season because the flame of the Pokemon League takes oh, yeah. Moltres. Uh-huh. But nothing jumps out to me about Zapdos. I, th- I think he is, but I can't pinpoint him. Um, <gasps> but to see Articuno here is pretty cool, in my opinion. Again, not to be pantastic. Uh, it's just a word I happen to use. Um, it's interesting, I think, in this episode because there's the legend of Articuno is that it travels around the world to the highest peaks and the coolest things and brings cold weather with it, but mm-hmm. also that it it's seen as more of a spirit to people. They're not sure whether it's real or not. Um, and the point of this episode is the fact of Todd being a photographer wants to get a picture off it, being, you know, what he is. It's like Peter Parker photographing exactly. Spider-Man. He taught us in a Spider-Man or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> that'd be cool. But we do get, Hello, we do get um, Spider-Man, you know. But we do actually get a Gligar man, but that'd be much later on in the next season. Um, it's a case of Articuno is seen as a guardian and that we actually see in this episode Team Rock get themselves lost and look like they're going to fall to their deaths and all that sort of stuff and Articuno in fact rescues them so it doesn't take prejudice against evil people or anything like that. Um, but to sum up the story, um, Todd gets his picture and it goes up in the Pokemon Center and he's really happy and everybody's pretty cool. It's like we've seen a legendary Pokemon and it's the same if you're watching it. Obviously, Brock returns later in the season, specifically pretty much right at the end. Um, was it cool to see his return? Were we extremely happy that we were going to get rid of the sketch it? Yeah, because isn't this one of her... <sighs> Hold on a minute. Let me think. Obviously, Ash goes home. Yes, having won the Orange League. Having watched the Orange... Washed. And then he goes home and Brock's there. And then Brock's mum has been in the knee-high grass. And he keeps walking on him. Mm-hmm. And then he's going... Ugh. And then every time you say Professor Ivy, he... Like, Heart's been broken. Yeah. Um... It's good to see him back, and it's nice to have him back, because then Tracy kind of stick, sticks around for a couple of episodes, and then just things and goes away. And, uh, 
stays with Professor Oak specifically because he's like Professor Oak has loads of Pokemon I can sketch them and all that sort of thing so that makes his day but I think as soon as you see as soon as you see Brock back on screen it just feels right again Mm. not that it was bad or anything like that but it was just because like look they're all together it's cool um but obviously that episode is summed up the fact of Brock's only straight back and Gary challenges Ash to a Pokemon bottle, bottle battle and Brock is the ref. Yeah. So it's, so it's like there, oh, there's, it's like oh there's my friend oh it's great to see you and then Gary appears I want to battle you and then Brock's like yeah I'll be in charge. I haven't seen that episode because whenever I went, put it on my pen drive to watch my yeah. Xbox it didn't copy across yeah. so I haven't seen that one but it but is a cool wee episode um, he I also referees a match later on between Misty and Ash for um, yeah um, but it's again the typical fact of going back to Lance Point Ash beat Lance one of the best Pokemon trainers in the world and then he loses to Gary Pikachu beat Dragonite, but can't beat an Eevee. This is very much the same way as Ken Anderson could beat Sting, but then can't beat Gunner in Impact Wrestling. Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah. Pikachu beat Dragonite, can't beat an Eevee. There's something wrong there. Pikachu getting lazy or something. I beat a Dragonite, I don't need to concentrate. Um, but I, I think we'll just go to the last question. No, that's what I'm saying. Uh, going on to my next point, which was first season, second season, which was better um, they're both very good seasons you know and stand out well but I would probably say that the first season would be good because it, it's the first time you see the Pokemon um, League and stuff you know it's the first time you see Ash having to think and ha- you know he can use up to six Pokemon so what Pokemon is he going to use you know he's going to use um, Bulbasaur and Charmander or Charizard and Pikachu and Squirtle so then you've got two spots free and then obviously one of them uses Muck against Bellsprite and then he brings in Krabby as well yeah for which is cool yeah and then obviously in this season we obviously see him use a Tauros mm-hmm. um, whenever he's um, which is pretty neat but whenever he's one of, the, one of his, his, thir- one of his 30 Tauros that he captured in the Safari Zone with his 30 Safari Balls if I was him, I would just go, hey, mate, do you want to trade? I know. Because that's one thing you never see. Well, you see him trade, but then it's the case of he trades his Butterfree, but then he wants it back. He does, in fact, trade a Pokemon in a much later series and doesn't ask for it back or anything like that. So he does oh, actually right. conduct a proper trade eventually. Good for him. Um, but I think for me, it's the first season squeaks it between these two simply because of the Pokemon League. Not like you've obviously mentioned you really like the whole Lance thing and it is a cool battle but it's this you know seven or eight episode story arc of Pokemon League that just puts the first series for me hands and you know just everything above the rest um because obviously you see we see an evolution of a Pokemon we see you know different Pokemon battlefields the battlefields change Mm -hmm. Ash obviously makes a friend there's the case that oh my goodness now he has to face that friend yeah and again Charizard doesn't you know battle for him which then ends up costing him the victory and it's like what could have been if he'd chosen a different Pokemon it's just all these different factors that tie in together in that first season and maybe a bit as well that Brock is missing in the second season 
that put that season for me above two. But again, like you say, season two, by all means, is still a very strong season. Okay. So that's us done with Pokemon then? Yep, so we hope you've enjoyed our discussion of gold, silver, red, blue, indigo, violet, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, as well as our interview with the great Eric Stewart. I hope you check out some of his music. It is pretty neat as well. But obviously he's a fantastic voice actor and the amount of voices he has voiced in Pokemon is phenomenal. And of course enjoyed our discussion of anime season 2. There is obviously still much that we can discuss with Pokemon, the different seasons and other movies. But that is for another day down the line. Yeah, I think this is kind of the case of when we went Doctor Who... Not that we've went Pokemon overboard, but the reason why we're discussing this is obviously because of our to tie in with an, an, an interview. So It was sooner um, than we thought it was going to be, but still yeah. enjoyable to do. Indeed. And I know so, we have plenty of Pokemon listeners, so... Yes, and obviously you can head over to PokemonPodcast.com. For more regular Pokemon madness and enjoyability. Yeah, and also order posters, which Alan ordered for me. And then I got like a little business card, which is pretty cool because it... It looks like your Pokemon, so it's like PokemonStore.com, PokemonPodcast at ME.com. Uh, follow Pokemon Podcast on Twitter, they're on Facebook.com, Pokemon Podcast. And there's also a video um, podcast called Critical Hit. And obviously there's a new one Leftovers. Uh, called Leftovers uh, for you adults out there. Whereas um, the normal Pokemon Podcast, which is super effective, is PG. We are PG-13. And Leftovers is rated R. Okay, so obviously that's our Pokemon discussion out of the road now. You would have heard um, on our last episode there the um, family of movies special that we did. Um, obviously we had the interview now with um, Eric Stewart. Also had an interview with Stan Bush, which went on for about 20-25 minutes, mm-hmm. give or take. Um, and it'll be um, pieced in between the Transformers um, so obviously this will be um, going up on the um, 10th of July so it's a week today if you're listening on the 3rd of July if you're not it'll be out on uh, Sunday the 10th of July thereafter that we have Master Universe Chronicles on the 17th of July with an interview with Spy Monkey Creations still at the time of recording this but by the time it goes out that's wrong so never mind so in Shock Chronicle Towers there's a lot of interviews going on at the minute yes <laughs> um, then on Retro Shock the week after that so Chronicles up the 17th of July the week after that we have another guest on the show known as Pixel Dan obviously the likes of Zelda um, for the 3DS coming out um, I've got my copy and still have got his promo copy what's going which on which seems Nintendo. to be a uh, recurring theme company wide problem at the minute for yep. uh, reviewers that uh, the games aren't being sent out but supposedly it is under investigation now so hopefully we maybe We'll be able to bring you a review by the time of that podcast coming out. So Chris will be able to, but whether I can get involved is another question. Um, so with that there, um, we're going to have Pixel Dan on the show. Um, of course, which 
Dan is, as everybody knows, on PopCultureNetwork.com, part of Ed Figures, that new toy smell. He does Roast Google Dinner with the guys over at He-Man.org. That's a universe. Classic he has uh, Power and the Honor. Yeah. Or Honor and the Power, I can't remember. I always get it mixed up. Uh, basically, there's not. Me- I think there's maybe one or two shows that Pixel Dan has not appeared on. He just, he just enjoys getting involved with everything, and that's why you need someone as charismatic to be involved with. Something that contains so many things, such as Pop Culture Network, but we're going to have him on to speak about one of his favourite things, which is Zelda, and one of ours, so it will be pretty decent, I would say. And uh, the week after that is going to be Happy Birthday Roboto commentary on Machine Universe Chronicles, and then after that... We go on holiday for like two years, so we'll see you then. (laughs) Uh, No, we don't. Uh, After that, we're going to have our uh, gaming special. No, we're not. Are we? Because we're going to have Zelda, so are we going to have a game no. special or are we going to do films? Which one would you prefer? We'll be doing films. Okay, films. We have, um, you can either pick the top one, Al, the middle one, or the bottom one. <laughs> we will go for the middle one. Middle! Obviously, our first movie special uh, that we've mentioned there is Family Film Frenzy. This is going to be something else similar, but it's going to be a family animated special, mm. which focuses on the likes of Aladdin, Finding Nemo, Emperor's New Groove, and one to still be determined. At the minute we have SpongeBob SquarePants, but I think we'll go with something that'll be a little bit different. I shall kill that sponge. So you don't want to do SpongeBob SquarePants then? Mm, no. Okay. But... With that, we will stop I'll have dealing off. Perfect film to put in there. I'm not listening anymore. I want to go home, so <laughs> I will. Uh, well, do you not want to say thanks for listening? Uh, obviously, you can head over to popculturenetwork.com to go to uh, pop culture. I was going to say PlayStation. PlayStationNetwork.com. You can no, buy you go there. You'll get all your details stored. We can go there and buy PlayStation games, perhaps. Um, so you can go there and listen to some podcasts. If you found ours, you have the likes of. Um, the caption box which is done by Comic Nation TV um, you have the likes of um, Center as well. yeah Wrestle Shocks one of them as well those guys are but I know clowns apparently uh, and then you have Master Universe Chronicles you know you have quite a lot there if you're into videos Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk uh, that new toy smell uh, things like that so not in box hello I sometimes feature on that so I guess um, so yeah so we hope you've enjoyed this Pokemon special um I've been Chris Finn. I've been Alan Price. And this has been a really super effective episode, hasn't it? I've just taken a critical hit. Goodbye. <laughs> Alan fainted. Chris scurried to a Pokemon Center. Alan has revived. Boo boo ding ding. I reach out to grab a hold, but say, I've got nothing to hang on to. We'll wander through these hidden holes We come across a creeping vine In my attempt to scale the walls Well, you say I've got no leg to stand on Well, while I'm down on my knees Yeah, hear my one good breathing While I'm begging and I'm pleading if they're changing us in the seasons, you know one good reason why.